Greetings, dance floor darlings. You're listening to This Is Disco, a monthly Danny and Kylie Minogue commentary podcast with your hosts Adam Eve and Eliza Day. The kettle's probably on. It's true. I love it. I love it. You gotta hear this song. A wombat. Well, hello, folks, and welcome to another month of This Is Disco. My name is Adam Eve, and I'm, of course, here with my wonderful co-host, the delightful Eliza Day. Hello, darling. How are you? I'm very good, my uh, fellow impossible princess. Oh, (laughs) my God. These are the dreams, indeed. Indeed. I... So we've got quite the show planned for everyone today, haven't we? (laughs) I I still cannot believe this conversation happened. I just, yeah, very much lost for words. Very, very much. And before we do get into what we're all here for, there are a few things that we do have to get through before we get to the goods. And I suppose that is, my darling Eliza, Mm -hmm. what has been happening in the world of Minogue since we last spoke to everybody. Well, I think first things first, we must acknowledge that this week is also the birthday of the queen of the clubs, Danielle Jane Minogue. Happy birthday to you. We love you. We hope you have a fabulous day. And I can't believe it's already been a year since we were on Zoom celebrating with her. It's crazy. It's crazy what's happened in the last year and can't thank Danny enough for all of her support and love and kindness that she's given to us. It's just been otherworldly. So um, happy birthday, Danny. We really, really love you. We hope you have the best year ever. Ever. And also um, happy birthday to Terry, who is born on the same day. Yes. Birthday birthday, twins. (laughs) Um, so, first of all, I guess thank you to everyone for the amazing feedback from our Jazzy P interview. That was such a fun episode and so wonderful to chat with her. And I know everyone really enjoyed hearing her, her story, especially mm-hmm. her setting the record straight on everything that happened with Big Brother. Right, Very right. important. I'm really, really happy she was able to share that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did mention that she had um, an afternoon tea coming up in October for Breast Cancer Awareness Month and Black History Month in the UK. Correct. So don't have any details on that just yet. But if you go to her website, which is jazzypmultimedia-services.com, um keep an eye on stuff there or if you're on socials she is on instagram at jazzy p m m s or twitter pauline underscore jazzy or tiktok jazzy p radio uk um and we'll of course share stuff if we if we know what's going on there if you're in the uk and want to catch up with jazzy p stunning i know and there's something really funny i wanted to share with you that happened uh just this week um i don't know if you caught this so it was the anniversary of enjoy yourself mm-hmm. and we took to twitter and instagram to find out you know what everyone's favorite song was from that album right. and our lovely uh friend of the pod um from one of our favorite music blogs on this day in pop yes. um love love him 
So he messaged, and I have been howling about this ever since. He said, my mum loved telltale signs. She said it was Stock Aitken and Waterman's revenge against prisoner cell block H not letting Kylie record on the inside when the show belatedly became huge in the UK in 1989. Her hairdresser said he once cut Sonia's cousin's hair and repeated it as quote-unquote insider gossip. (laughs) Oh, my God. I cannot stop thinking about the idea that Telltale Signs is a revenge song You know, I would love to hear Kylie doing the prisoner track. Oh, I, that's something else <laughs> I was amazing. thinking about. I, it's just the, the things that have gone through my head in the past 24 hours since this came to light. And, you know, we don't engage usually in Minogue rumours, but this I will engage with. Right. And I will just absorb this folklore into my bloodstream. So, uh, anyway, thank you for that amazing, amazing... <laughs> rumour. I don't even know what to do with it, but I wanted to share it. Um, What else has popped up? Oh, Danny has been in the UK doing lots of fabulous QVC live. Yes. She's been there in the flesh, so there's been some great stuff for the girl anniversary. She's had, like, I think, an All I Want to Do t-shirt. So if you're in the UK, you can jump on QVC, I believe. I'm not entirely sure how it works. Um, Neither do I. <laughs> but I, I guess go to QVC's website and find your way. Figure it out. <laughs> Sorry that we're not super helpful. We're pretty good with figuring out how to shop for Danny Petites at Target in Australia. But there is some really great All I Want to Do t-shirts available in the UK. And before anyone asks, no, at recording time, we do not have any more information on UK Girl Vinyl, actual release date on Australian Girl Vinyl, if you have pre-ordered it. We do not know any more. We are not withholding anything. We don't know anything. (laughs) And look, that has also not stopped our friends from the UK purchasing from the Warner Australian Music Store. (laughs) Correct. If you want the Australian stuff, because Lord knows we'll be trying to get our hands on the UK stuff as well. So, um, yes, it, it does ship to the UK, doesn't it? Or does it? Do you have to get a friend to buy it? I'm pretty sure that they do ship to the UK. I feel like I've forgotten something. What what else has been happening? Oh, there's the usual anniversaries. Oh, my God. Okay, now I, I just remembered. Okay, this happened, I think, the, either the day we were recording with Jazzy P. It, it happened, I think, just before we dropped our last episode, in case anyone was wondering why we didn't mention it. Kylie, Mardi Gras. Sorry that this was not mentioned on our previous episode because I think it hadn't, uh, we'd already recorded. So, yes, I guess that is the biggest news that has happened in recent weeks. Mm -hmm. Kylie doing World Pride in Sydney next year. Have you got your tickets? Let us know. What an amazing, amazing event that's going to be. Very, very exciting stuff. And no, I don't know about you, Adam. I, my bank account said, no, you will not be flying up to Sydney for that. Um. Eliza, Eliza, <laughs> Girls Aloud just released a 15 pound, seven inch vinyl that I can't even afford. Right. So something tells me that flying to Sydney <laughs> Correct. and going to World Pride, not going to happen. Anyway, we're going to have to have reporters on the ground uh, <laughs> reporting back to us because we will not be there in the flesh, unfortunately. We will be there in disco spirit, as always. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think that's about it. I mean, I guess we we need to get into 
what we're here for today. Right. And that is to chat with the Steve Anderson about the incredible, groundbreaking Impossible Princess album and era. I can't believe we had this conversation. And I know, I just know there's a million things I forgot to ask that... Oh, I'm sure there is. Yeah. But we... we, we it's such a long chat. Yes. <laughs> that I think everyone should be pretty happy with the results. I think so. And thank you again, as always, to Steve for indulging us. He is officially part of the uh, This Is Disco family. Mm-hmm. Practically moved in. (laughs) So we absolutely love having him on. And as we get towards the end, you'll notice that time will be ticking by, but we haven't got to intermittent live. Now, before everyone panics, that deserves its own episode, as I'm sure you can appreciate. So we'll be back next year. Sorry, I just put my phone on silent. Oh, just in case we keep this in as a little fun, like, blooper, that was Adam's phone. It kind of was fun. Hi, Lobita. Oh, my God, boom, boom. I'll call them back after we finish. I, I think, yeah, that's fine. Um, yeah, and as I was saying, we would do... <laughs> we would do um, an intermittent live episode... Next year, Steve will mm. be with us for that. So just sit tight. We, we can't give you everything all at once. No, no, so. definitely not. But and we I are have... going to talk about the remixes this episode. Ab- absolutely. We'll yeah, be yeah. talking about a lot of other things. You will, um, Your bellies will be full by the end of it. Definitely, definitely. Well, I suppose we should just crack on with it because we've said enough. Mm-hmm. My friends... Mr. Steve Anderson. I can see you positioning your hat. There. I know. It doesn't fit. Uh, it, it's, is it a bit small? <laughs> of course. I have the just, just I have a little. The biggest buff head imaginable. It's okay. not a, I don't have a dainty little petite minogue head by any stretch. But also this has seen better days. I mean, look how. I need quick change Carol to do some repairs. Was it is it from the original is it from your it's, original outfit? Oh, no, this is from her original outfit because William Baker what? came outside and handed oh a few God. of them out. Oh, no, no, this, really? is, a, this is a legit... Because there was obviously a few and it must have been okay. at the, after the last show. Because, hmm. you know, when everyone was, like, bumping out and stuff and there was... Like, I've got to, I was standing next to the K because everyone was, like, loading out everything. So we were all just milling yeah. about the props and everything. And then I think William came out and was hand... <laughs> handing out a few hats and one of my friends wow. got this and then gave it to me and so I don't know there this you is, go. this is an intimate and live cowboy hat. Oh my god. That's that I impressive. Didn't, I didn't keep it in very good condition. <laughs> <laughs> been, well you some might say that it's been through quite a lot through oh, it, the years. Oh. oh okay so it's so you're like starting like that are you? I think it's very unwise. I think it's very unwise to put that little bat, that mantle down in front of her at this early stage. But go on. <laughs> oh. oh my goodness! How are you, I'm Steve? Good, thanks. How are you with all your superstar guests? Oh, back to back to back to back. I know. Mm, it's like, what it's can you crazy. do next? It's like manifestation squad. Here we go. 
following up on the incredible work across 1994's White Album, Kylie teamed up with Nick Cave on Murder Ballad Where the Wild Roses Grow, which really felt like an interesting segue between the two eras in the sense that by the time Impossible Princess came along, both commercial radio and alternative radio here in Australia, like Triple J, were starting to play Kylie more. This album is not just important to the fan base, but it's vital to the legacy of Kylie with general music fans, because this is the record that those who quote-unquote don't like pop music always herald as Kylie's best. So we really do have to thank you, Steve, for taking part in our very own 25th anniversary celebrations. It really means a lot. Oh, you're welcome. It's lovely to be back. I've, as always, watched your wonderful podcast grow from strength to strength to now being an all-star vehicle. (laughs) And, um, and, and and having seemingly the power to manifest things into reality. So um, lovely to be back, lovely to see your faces, and I can't quite imagine what, what on earth you're going to be able to do next. Well, is there anything you need manifesting? Uh, I'll give you a list. I'll send you a list. Okay. Because we are now open for business. All right. Jolly good. Right. Jolly good. Well... Obviously, there is a lot of excitement, not just brewing from Eliza and I when it comes to the 25th anniversary of Impossible Princess, but even more so thanks to the victorious vinyl pressing announcement and release. How bloody great is it going to finally have this momentous record on wax? It feels like the right time. I know everyone's wanted it for a long time and I have as well, but yeah, it feels like the right moment to do it. Um, And I don't know. I think the thing with this record is it's it seemed to have got sort of more and more popular as the years have gone on. So maybe, you know, mm. people have gone back and looked at it and, and listened to it. And I think with a bit of context, I feel at the time it was seen as obviously very brave and, and, and to some, you know, possibly not the wisest decision, but actually when you look at it in the grand scheme of the story of her career, it has a very important place because I always described it as the, as the itch that she needed to scratch to be able to go back to doing you know what people were more used to her doing so um and i think it was a i think it's a document of time i think it's uh i think it's the first time that you see kylie as a songwriter and i think we just created a safe space for her to be an artist um and not worry too much about commerciality um befitting the time in her life that she was going through with personal situations and everything it just it just the the songs just flooded out of her so I, I feel that this is a really lovely moment where people can get the vinyl or indeed the three vinyls um however four. many versions I, I of think them there are four right. I think there are four, <laughs> four? Oh, there's, an, there's an orange one or something isn't there there's an indie one, a dance yes, that's the one, one I ordered. a sex one and a cute one <laughs> okay there you go I see, sometimes I think that that whole thing of, oh, you know, Justice for Impossible Princess and, you know, it didn't do that well or whatever, every Kylie fan I speak to loves it. I'm yet to find an actual fan that doesn't love it. So I don't quite know, and I realise, you know, that's in a bit of an echo chamber or bubble, so Mm. I don't know if that whole idea that it, you know, didn't do well, quote-unquote, is just because, you know, commercially... It was just that because everyone is just, it's such an important album. I think it is commercially. And I think obviously in your wonderful country, it did do really, really well. Yeah. (laughs) I just think, I think when you compare it to 
you know, if you compare it to the sales that they were used to, um, yeah. and obviously everyone will go back to the, like the first album, the second album. Um, no, I mean, absolutely not. And I think even look, you know, looking at up post the 94 album, you know, that a lot of people love that record, but you do lose the kind of uh, some of the more mainstream who just want to hear us sing up-tempo pop records. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I think you're right. I think a lot of her fans, um, really love the record and think it's really important, but I think just if you were to take a percentage of the people in the world that were yeah. diehard Kylie fans, it's the other percentage that maybe looked at it and thought, mm, we're not sure about that. We're not mm. quite sure what's going on here. So we might give it a miss. I must admit, interestingly, I posted about ordering the orange vinyl mm. on my socials and quite a lot of my old friends from the rave scene and everything that I'm still friends with were all contacting me saying, where can I get the album? Mm. And so there, there is this other section, which I guess ties into where I was at when the album came out. Cause I was very much headfirst in dance and club music culture mm. because of hits FM and Paul Dowsley and Lisa Foley and, and this album and its remixes, which we will get to, it just couldn't have come at a better time because it was Kylie doing things differently and bringing everything that I found exciting about club and alternative music of that era. Everybody in the fan base and many outside of it have their own reasons as to why the album is so important to them, but nevertheless important it is to so, so many. So hopefully we do it justice this evening with our line of <laughs> <Yeah>. questioning. <laughs> well, that, that begs the question, what, what does the album mean to you, Steve, personally? I mean, it's, it's kind of the one that really changed everything because it enabled me eventually, and I know we'll get onto it, but it enabled me eventually to get the job that I've since done for over 25 years for mm. for her and for other artists as a musical director because inevitably at the end of it it was um it, it, you know it, it, it we had the the intimate and live show but on another level i think um it was a total uh it was a total turning point because you know this album really started in 1995 right. when we were starting to put it together and um and there were a few things going on and it just it was it was it was quite a strange time in general for me and uh and i think the discovery of of somewhere as magical as real world where i kind of just went off and you know, initially on my own actually just to try some things out and just for david and i you know we'd had by that point we'd been very lucky to have quite a lot of success with lots of big remixes and you know with big artists and stuff but we never wanted to be an artist i mean we we you know we never we we tried and we we, we just wasn't for us but we were huge lovers of, of of the same kind of stuff as adam really you know the underworld stuff and the garbage and tricky and bjork and you know all that and um yeah we we just wanted to play and have a, a chance to kind of do something a bit different so it was the it was so it, i just the thing that me it really means the, the most to me is just a a period of time where it was literally all about creation with no boundaries mm. none whatsoever and watching my friend turn into the most incredible songwriter before my very eyes did you imagine that you would go on to 
you know, become a musical director? Was that ever on your, like, you know, to-do list or uh, you, hadn't occurred to you? Definitely not. Well, I mean, we'd done a, I'd done a few bits on the 94 album, a few TV stuff, few right. TV things, and we did some promo things. But um, I knew I kind of liked the idea of it. I didn't really... And we'd done the, uh, that very famous Tea in the Park show with Terry Ronald in the yes. very flattering shorts. Oh, yes, we love um, that. Love that. <laughs> um, but no, I, I, I kind of knew... I mean, it was. I'm a record producer, so I knew how to put things together. So I kind of figured... figured and I love shows. So right. I kind of figured that. But uh, no, if you'd have asked Will and I, you know, when we were sat together on that plane to Australia um not knowing what we were doing if we'd still be doing it 25 years later there's no way we would have said yes the album obviously took a lot of people by surprise especially with its more beer glam and tricky inspired pop but impossible princess really took things darker and deeper underground with a lot of nods to trip hop and techno so i wanted to know was that a conscious decision to go down those paths from the start not from the very start no i think um it was interesting i was looking back today and trying to figure out the timeline of what came first um i know it's quite hard but there was a the first set of songs i i seem to remember that when it was let's do another record i think david and i went in and did what we did on the first record which was try to put some songs and ideas together to present to her as you know for things and i think we probably recorded about four or five songs at the beginning that we'd written that she just demoed and um and they weren't terribly good they were and they weren't in the mold of what impossible princess ended up being um at all but it was like well let's just try this let's just try that and then it wasn't really until she came in um with this billy childish book um the the uh, impossible princess book and we were like oh hang on what's this is an interesting thing and the moment that i think probably the first song that we wrote for this album that ended up on this album was was what i called impossible princess and everyone else calls dreams and and that was the moment that we looked at each other and went we have to scrap everything just right. literally forget everything we've been doing because this is what we have to do now we have to create this blanket of safe safety to let her experiment and we have to help her make the record that she wants to make we don't need to make the record for her we need to make the record with her and accompany her so yeah so that would have been we probably spent about the i know everyone says oh this record took forever to make it, it did take a while to make but it the first part of it was trying to figure out what it was and what to do with it and that was when we said right well, let's forget everything we kept dreams um i think love takes over me was written around that time as well right um and then everything else was let's pack our stuff up let's go to real world which for anyone that, that doesn't know is a, a beautiful residential studio in bath um which is owned by peter gabriel um and dave and i were a bit obsessed by that whole peter gabriel world music thing as well at the time and uh yeah and we decamped into i remember when we got to real world that the most of the time we were there normally what happens is there's four studios and there's a big house and there's a couple of outbuildings and you stay it's a residential studio it's great because you can just live and breathe what you're doing but the time we went there the first time um it was full because um wet 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 we're in the main studio 
Oh, uh, which they, was hilarious oh, because they yeah. were the ones that kept us off. Yeah, I know. So we didn't. <laughs> we I brought that up a few times with Marty. Um, and then in one of the other studios was Black Grape, which was Sean Ryder's band, um, who from the, the Happy Mondays. That guy who right. then went on made a thing. So that was quite rock and roll. And then there was someone else, and there was us. So we had to. We couldn't stay in the main uh and the main complex so just over the road there was a sort of three-story little terraced house that real world owned and that's where we lived so we would have like she'd be on the top on she'd be at the top floor in the sort of i suppose the penthouse but it wasn't um and then dave and i would be on the second floor and then we'd all and then we'd kind of all come down in the morning you know sort of get ready go over have breakfast and that would be it and we would just do that for weeks so oh. that was the beginning of you know, the famous KM notebook that she'd right. been scribbling on through her travels right. and um, and just experimenting and, and, and playing, really, but completely ensconcing ourselves. I mean, we were literally there for weeks. We just didn't come home. We just were like lived and breathed what we were doing. Breathe. Thank you. <laughs> Number one. That, that doesn't happen now, that kind of stuff, where you just like go and immerse yourself like that it, it, or does it bands some bands do do it still i think some bands do do it because i think it's i mean you don't have to do it but i think it's that thing of especially just getting away from everything and mm. just uh just and you don't have to do it it's not like it sounds quite artisty to do that and you don't have to do that but i think when you're not worrying about you know what's going on at home and you're not worrying about you know a day-to-day -day thing of how do i get to the studio when you can mm. literally walk out the door and the studio's there it just makes it um i feel like it makes it much easier and much more cohesive and then she could do some stuff on her own we could do some stuff on our own and then we kind of come together and for the very first few sessions we weren't even in if you look at real world they've got these beautiful studios we were not in any of those because we were trying to just we were just doing demos so i mean nowadays you'd put a laptop in your bag and that would be it Right. then it was a case of me having to load my car up with tons and tons of equipment like a big desktop computer yeah, yeah. Oh my you God. know samplers keyboards racks everything head down there and then there was this tiny little room that was behind uh the maintenance uh, room where they fixed all the bits and just behind that there was this tiny little room and that's where we set up when we were doing the writing so because we couldn't we couldn't justify paying thousands of pounds for like a massive studio right. to write songs mm. so it was wasn't even a writing room it wasn't we just it was a makeshift thing that the beautiful assistant there called claire set up for us and that was it we'd go walk in every morning walk past maintenance say hello to them they were fixing things and soldering things and then we'd go in and, and spend the days writing what time was this like summertime spring it was set the, yeah set the I think, scene. <laughs> yeah yeah i think it probably was summertime it was it always felt like every time we were at real world it always felt like it was summertime and it's right. built on it's an old water mill so there's a lake that right. runs through it um which there's a whole other thing about the energy of that that that, that a lot of people have said but um yeah it's always because i've got so many memories of of her just you know, sitting outside on the wall just with a notebook, writing down things and the doors being open. And I mean, of course, eventually we moved into the bigger rooms when it came to recording, but pretty much all the writing was done in there and uh, and and would be sketches of musical ideas that we had or lyrical things that she'd say, oh, here's an idea, or I dreamt this last night. 
or this is a chorus i don't know what this is or here's an entire set of lyrics and i have no idea what it is but it just came to me and it would it was i mean you talk about water it was flowing out of her like mm. literally flowing out of her every day would be something new it sounds like that whole situation of of living together and working together just across the road that really helped in the cultivation of her artistic and lyrical progression yeah i think so and i think she just had and i'm not sure of the timeline you'd, you'd have to check with her but i think it was around the time she just had quite a few road trips um to very you know around the world um uh, right. with, with people so and i think a lot had inspired her i think sometimes um will young always says this great thing about the fact of you know you need to do stuff to be inspired you can't walk into a studio and be inspired you have to go away and actually do physical things to come back and then be inspired to write about them um and i think post 94 and all of that she had prioritized that and so by the time she came back she was she was brimming with things to write about right and feeling comfortable enough to sort of be vulnerable with you both to share those personal lyrics from her notebook yeah i think so because we'd had such fun with 94 and, and not knowing whether it was going to work and thankfully not 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 sort of breaking her by doing something different um and we'd just done a lot you know we by then we'd known each other for two years and mm. we were just all very very comfortable and i think even you know even for us we were quite happy to there was no like it didn't matter if an idea was bad it was just just put these things into the room and see what happens and it might go somewhere or something that we do might start in one place and be okay but you might get a chorus out of it and then you can just scrap the thing that got you there so we didn't have to be like amazing all the time it was mm. just put things in the room and then craft them should wow. i ask about some of those demos now things you've said there were demos yes early on shall yes. i go through the list of yeah go for it i had never heard of most of these so it's come from a well-known forum that someone sent this to me because I don't go on forums because they scare me. Me too. Um, <laughs> I just stay <laughs> off. So it says, Prisoner of Time is a brother, Brothers in Rhythm house track. Bro Prison Prisoner of Time is one of the first songs that we wrote when we were trying to write songs for her. Okay, um, so that's, that's a huh. fact. That's a fact. <laughs> that, that does exist. I think there was a demo vocal on it, but the song wasn't very good. Okay. Uh, looking Down On Me. That's true. That was her, actually. Um, and I think that was actually, that was written at Real World. Um, and it's quite a cool song. It's about um, it, literally someone looking down on you like a spiritual thing, like someone having a guardian angel. Oh, wow. So that was recorded and demoed, but I don't, th we didn't do a finished production of it. But yes, it does exist. Yeah. Interesting. I don't know who this person is. That's So a friend sent this to me and said it was posted. So I don't know who is posting this because that's all right. <laughs> clearly they have some inside info. Yeah. I, I initially wasn't sure if it was you. Like you just go under an alias online and just... <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't do that to myself. <laughs> no, I know you wouldn't. Um, stay With You. Stay With You yeah. did exist. And that was a Kylie co-write. And it was a sort of a mid... Mm, yeah mid-tempo-y um atmospheric i suppose sort of in the world of take me with you but take me with you turned out much better the notes so, that this person has has said apparently on the forum is confide in me the sequel oh, big, big orchestra know. huge chorus big orchestra huge chorus is a bit of a <laughs> 
That's quite a shot in the dark for me, isn't it? I suppose it could yeah, be. Yeah, I was anything. about to say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, it exists. It's, it's not great. It's all right. But yeah. You should just have that on your bio. Big orchestra, huge chorus. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I can't help myself. Um, let it go. Yeah, let it go was really interesting. It was. Um, uh, it was very Bjork actually. It that's was. What it, it would yeah, have been. It yeah, it would have kind of been the sister to Drunk, um, I suppose. Oh. Um, okay. And it it, it it was almost quite hyper ballady. Um, in the fact that it started off as a ballad, I know I'm teasing you now. It started oh, off as a ballad oh and then went into a full on like 140 BPM underworld rave track. Oh, look at Adam's uh, face. <laughs> and it was, oh and it, again, it was, it was demoed, um, but not finished, not produced, but there was a demo of it around here. Yeah. And who has the keys to this vault and when will it be unlocked? <laughs> I don't necessarily know. I think demo. You see, demos are really tricky things because I think sometimes mm. a demo could literally be something where you just record a scratch vocal and you put some rough ideas down. And and I think I've said this to you guys before that sometimes the expectation of something is almost much greater than or much much better than mm. the conclusion of having it because it right. may not like everything I've just right. described to you and the look on Adam's face. Yeah, I don't necessarily know. <laughs> whether that would be fulfilled right. when listening to the finished thing um but um but yeah i don't know i mean I, I you know we are all in team kylie super perfectionists so i don't feel like anything should ever go out in the world mm. if it's not oh, deemed not. to be good enough it wasn't by the way it wasn't bad it was it was a good demo but it just wasn't didn't wasn't strong enough to make it ache yeah, Ake was so wildly wrong for, I mean, I think that might have been like probably one of the, at the very beginning, um, it was weird. It would have fitted actually, do you know what it was? It would have fitted perfectly on 94 in that if I was your lover type world. Right. It was kind of, you know, mid-tempo, quite soulful, totally wrong. But this was before everything, everything to do with this was pre-Impossible Princess. So this is all this like 90, was, 95, all of Yeah, these. 95, yeah, absolutely. Right, okay. Yeah, that's, uh, Looking Down on Me wasn't. Looking Down on Me was real world, but this one, that was 95. Okay, um, Something Sacred? That was 95 as well, and that was David and I trying to write um, a song for her, which had a really lovely chorus and really beautiful lyrics by David, um, but again, didn't didn't make it because it, it was totally wrong for when we when we changed it all up. Okay. Floating. Floating. I I actually really love floating, but it was again wrong for wrong for the record. Um, it was about floating on the water and just feeling the sun on your face and just feeling um, loved and you know just safe and warm. Um, it was kind of a mid tempo thing, beautiful strings and uh, yeah, it was a really beautiful song actually, but would not have fitted anywhere on this record. Would any of these like uh, you know how flower sort of had to come at the right time. Mm. Could you imagine any of these eventually popping up in a live show, or eventually showing up somewhere when the time felt right? Or are these I definitely? Doubt I doubt it. I think they're, um, you know, they're, they're a process. I think most people probably know that when albums are being made, you know, sometimes up to a hundred, maybe more songs are tried mm. until you find the the DNA of the record. 
Um, and that doesn't mean to say they're bad songs. It just means that they don't fit in that world. And 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 I don't know if any of them were quite as special as as, as Flower was, and mm. uh, to find its place. But it's I mean for every album that anyone makes, I'm sure, especially with Kylie, there's going to be a, probably sixty of these for ev for everyone that that, that were, were tried right. and got you got you to the place you needed to get to. Right. Uh, I know that Kylie worked on a couple of tracks with British brand Olive, but that they were scrapped. Did you ever get to hear those? Um, do you know what they were called? No, I don't. Okay, no, I don't think I did hear those. Or, or if I did, it would have it would have been twenty five years ago, and my memory's not <laughs> that good. And I do have a title for this one: What of the long talked about but also scrapped Nick Cave co-write soon? Yeah, so soon was extraordinary so soon came to us at real world um and obviously her friendship with nick actually I, I would attribute quite a lot of the inspiration for this record with nick because i think nick mm. is um nick is one of the most beautiful human beings i've ever met in my life and and he's so special and i think he was he he gave her some some additional bravery i think a, a lot of times and He's wonderful and uh, it's great. It's it's everything you want. It's a like down tempo Nick Cave ballad with which I kind of, again, when we demoed it, again, it was very massive attack um, and it did have a big chorus and it did have strings and it was dark and it was oh, amazing gosh. and it was gorgeous. And, um, but it, it, it didn't quite get there in the end. Oh so gosh. it's only literally as a demo. And I mean, when I say it's a demo, it literally is. It was one of the ones we did in that back room where, you know, it's some samplers, a keyboard. There was an old piece of equipment called an ADAT, which was like a digital recorder. And that was where we recorded the vocals on. And there's a scratchy demo around somewhere. But one day, that could be one I could see one day, potentially something happening mm. with and, and, oh. and redoing it. Because it is, it's Nick Cave. He doesn't mm. write any, he's never written a bad song in his life. So that's something we could realistically work on manifesting is what I'm understanding. Absolutely. If you want to go for it, <laughs> okay. but it'd have to be like, it can't, as it is, it literally is a scratch demo. And then I just think it, it we didn't, it didn't quite get to that point where it would work. It needs a live um, orchestra is what I'm hearing also. <laughs> I mean, doesn't everything? Yes. <laughs> I just wanted to confirm. <laughs> um, okay. Also on the list, I have all yes. right in brackets now yeah that was that was really ropey that was um that was the mid that was a sort of oh gosh yeah that one was a like it was almost like a republic you know like that ready to go song by republica it was yeah yeah it, baby, yeah, yeah, yeah like so like indie pop i suppose was indie pop actually mm. um and we did it like that and it was a real thrashy chorus and it was one of the there's a few tracks on the album um including did it again again which came about by me playing guitar which i don't play really i don't play it very well and i don't really play it but i remember sitting in um in the front room of the little cottage we were in just like strumming stuff that's where i came up with the ding 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 of did it again because it was oh. like i didn't know what i was doing um and i have limited knowledge of the guitar so that's why the guitars the, the chords are really simple um and i think all right now was another one of those and then we just said oh it can't do that and then we tried to to turn it into Impossible Princess by making it breakbeat. And it was such a square peg round whole thing. Um, oh my God. And it was, a, it was a disaster. So yeah, not a good one. 
Um, okay, Fallen Angel. God, wow. Okay, you've gone quite deep. I mean, that, I don't. Uh, this is all news to me. I'm... It's true. That's <laughs> it's that's okay. true. That's that's a Dave. That's a Dave song. Um, uh, I don't. In, I don't think that we ever even recorded it with her. I think we might have presented it, but it's a hey, Dave. Maybe song. Dave's the one posting. Well, that, yeah. <laughs> Well, da da I mean, David and I wrote it, but we, we did demo it years later with with someone. But yeah, I don't think Kylie even got to that. Interesting. Um, something we started. That's not me. That's not you. Or maybe that's one of the Olive ones, Adam. Maybe. Could be. Um, yeah. You're the one version one. I don't know what that uh, means. No, I mean, obviously, you're the one was. Is yeah, we the, all know. That is the was was on our ten track original impossible princess and yeah. has yet and was completed and mixed and finished at real world and has yet to and see leaked. the light of day <laughs> and leaked yes but never released right yeah do you think that will ever get released i'd love i'd love to think so mm. um i don't obviously i have no power over these things but um i adore that song absolutely adore it and yeah. the reaction to it when she performed it at anti-tour was extraordinary oh. Yeah, her, vo that... her vocal on it is like and and again i feel like it's i love the sort of juxtaposition that it starts so sweet and then ends so you know mm. full on um and it's the two sides of her i think it was i, lo I love that song but um sadly not meant to be just on digital or something it'd be nice oh. if it had a little moment oh yeah i'll manifest that so the one everyone <laughs> asks about constantly i'm pretty sure you get messages about this once a week about where is the studio version of free yeah there's a demo <laughs> of free there isn't actually well there, you see when you say about studio versions it's interesting i suppose a studio version could be something that was recorded in the studio but actually yes there is a demo of free that mm. was done the day we wrote it and i think free was written in fact i know free was written at our studio not at real world because it was around the same time as i think it was actually in the same session as uh as dreams oh wow um yeah it was about the same time um and that was this whole that came from the notebook of her you know it's everything's about driving across you know wherever it was america or wherever mm. so um but yeah that was there is a, a, a demo of it but not we didn't record record it um but it found its home on the tour and the version on the tour i keep saying i always say the version on the tour is 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 the version that's the way i would have mm. done it had i recorded it so right okay the, the demo isn't as good as that i'm nearly at the end of this very extensive list um drunk original demo that says it's completely different to the finished version yeah it's not completely different i think what was different is the second verse of drunk on the record it, it is uh is more like the was more like what the original was so we didn't originally have all the orchestra and the strings on it when we wrote it it was a much smaller thing so it always had the end it always had the big major piano strings chorus thing um but it started off in a much more intimate way and it started off more electronic and again a little bit more bjork and i think the idea was to write the anti-song so it was like let's not write traditional verse bridge chorus it right. was how can we kind of play with lyrics and and the lyrics are amazing on that song mm. um so it, it is very different in the fact that it's not as dramatic um but when we'd done the demo i think we then took it i took it back and then we thought right this isn't strong enough how do we make it stronger and then that's when we introduced the uh the whole 
mood and atmosphere of the world of, of, of how it starts now. Right. Be till I'm over. Be till I'm over this time. I think it was. I remember that. That's about all I remember about it. Okay. Limbo demo called Sweetest Summer. Uh, well, that wouldn't have been me anyway. That's Dave Ball. Okay. Right. And Lucky Last. I love, by the way, I, I know we'll get into it, but I adore Limbo. Oh, yes. I love mm, Limbo yes. and I love all the grid stuff on this record is genius. Mm. Well, lucky last on this uh, rumours list is Into Myself. I have no idea. Maybe that's the olive one, Adam. Did you say there were... Yeah, two, yeah. yeah, maybe. There were two olive tracks, apparently. Well, there we go. Okay. I'm glad. Hopefully this has answered mm. a lot of questions for a lot of people. Well, I think so, yeah. The other two that come up, there's a song called Miles that comes up quite a lot, which was mm. a mid-tempo kind of, again, sort of... Um, tricky-esque thing like a jazz thing but didn't really fit um and there's another song called by my side which was just like a chirpy little fun song but absolutely not right for this right so i think we have we i think we've we've got through them all oh i, can't I bet we haven't it. the moment oh, this goes probably. out someone's Amazing. gonna go what about yeah why didn't you ask about this <laughs> we did our best yeah. Well, obviously, and also obviously some of them came out like you know love takes Omi came out and stay this way came out and yeah you know, Oh, I've got a separate so, list for those. Okay. Well, well, well done on that. your research. Well done on your research. That was a that was a good test for me as well. Obviously, as Aussies, our wait for the album wasn't exactly as long as it was for the UK, but frustratingly delayed nevertheless. So I can only imagine that the stalls in its UK release would have been repeatedly disappointing to you all at the time. I think when we, in many ways, when we finish a record and when I finish a record and we hand it over, I mean, in this case, it changed a lot after we handed it over, but when we realized what the final thing was going to be, um, it sounds weird, but you just, you tend to kind of disassociate, not disassociate, but you just let, you know, there's going to be a process in how it's released and you don't have any power over it. And it's also, nor should you, because right. we just make music. We don't put, you know, record labels to the people. So I don't remember as being, I'm sure she was, but I don't remember us being wildly disappointed about the timing changing or anything. Because the thing is, this thing had been going on for so long anyway. Right. I don't really think it... like, And it didn't... I think the difference is, is that it didn't have... As much as it was very, very inspired by some of the artists we've spoken about, it didn't have a, a anything on it that would give it a definable era. So, like, I feel like you could listen to it today and you know what the influences are, but it doesn't necessarily sound you know like it was made when it was made so no. it, it 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 didn't it didn't have to come out at a certain time because if it came out a year later it would seem dated mm. so we just knew that it would it would come out whenever it was meant to i was playing it the other day and someone said oh is is this new it was, and it was too far and i was like no it's not new but thank you very much <laughs> yes i was <laughs> what a great moment that was i was just like yeah hmm once it was done it was such a mammoth thing we just felt that you know we we hand it over then to the people that know what they're doing we just quickly talked about too far we'll get to that in a moment but i wanted to ask the press they really took the indie kylie tag a little too literally around this point which seemingly affected public perception a little bit and the fact some kind of bliss was the album's first single didn't help much with those wrong perceptions from people either so i guess we we both like to know what do you think would have been 
your choice for the album's first single mm. if you had had your say? Too far. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just because, and and again, we make records, we don't sell them. There's a really good reason for that. <laughs> because, <laughs> but um, and it probably would have been a disaster. But we just we just felt when you get that first single back, you get an extra bit of leeway because around the fact it's the first single. So I think we did at one point work on a radio edit of Too Far and thought that, you know, maybe that, you know, it was all, it was definitely Too Far. Believe me, they've made right. the right decision doing what they were doing. Um, <laughs> and Some Kind of Bliss is an extraordinarily good radio record. But I mean, mm. you have to remember, we were just in our little bubble of making this album and we delivered 10 finished masters, which were, you know, all of our songs and what we were expecting was going to be the grid songs and the Rob Dugan songs. Um, and apart from did it again, there's nothing indie about any of it. Um, no. And um, so, yeah, so we, we, we just delivered that. And then understandably, you know, also at the time deconstruction was run by two people, Keith Blackhurst and Pete Hadfield. And at the time Pete Hadfield had been very ill and wasn't around very much. So I think, um, and Keith Blackhurst is very strong, but they're really strong as a unit. And I think they used to, you know, they're from the north and they just don't care. They're like, they would just, you know, they did Black Box, they did M People, they were just brilliant. But I think maybe BMG just said, we're really frightened here. Let's let's get something that we know we can get on radio. And they were right. And they were absolutely right to do it. Yeah. But I think when your first single coming from an album is uh, with the Manic Street Preachers, then you're then indie's a reasonable tag, especially at the time when a lot of indie was around. Mm. I read somewhere recently that Limbo was going to be the first single. Is it really? Is there any truth to that? Like this I is, don't know. I, don't, I can't even remember where I read it, but I was like, wait, what? I don't know. I don't know how that would have worked. I was um in reading about some kind of bliss. Your lovely friend Larry Flick wrote at the oh. time. Ms. Minogue has been reborn as an alternate pop vixen to be reckoned with. Love. He's got a lovely Love way with words, doesn't he? He really though? does. Every time I read, and it will just be one sentence with maybe ten words, and it's just like, Mwah, chef's kiss. Oh, uh, yeah. He's, he's amazing. It's true. It was. It felt to me like that. I always said that I thought that James, the two James songs were kind of like a sort of indie Dusty Springfield. You know, it was mm. glorious. It was widescreen. Mm you know, and as uh, the producer was a guy called Dave Berenger, who's fantastic. And I worked with a little bit and he just had that great widescreen strings and guitars and they're beautiful sounding records, absolutely mm. beautiful sounding records. And her vocal on them is fantastic. Some Kind of Bliss was released on September the 8th in 1997 and peaked at number 16 in Scotland, number 22 in the UK, number 27 here locally, and number 46 in New Zealand. Oh, I, I love Some Kind of Bliss, but I think I've also got that association of that's when I first met her because she'd come and done the Hey Hey It's Saturday promo. Oh, yes. And, you know, we all Which you appeared in. Which yes, you, you can see me in the audience. And as luck would have it, guys, I've got my 1997 diary. So uh, let me just find it from that. I'm not going to... You are literally one of the only people in my entire world that I would have been able to locate the 1997 diary. And also would be one of the only people I know that, by the way, listeners, I've just seen has teddy bears embossed on the front. 
Okay, yeah, that's that's my '97 diary. The '98 diary is a bit more that. The the front of that first one is equally cute and petrifying. (laughs) Yeah, it is a bit. I don't know why it's got teddy bears on it, but like, and then, you know, it's like at the front, it's like in the event of my death, this diary is to go to and it was my best friend at the time, which I should amend this because. Dramatic. Uh, very dramatic. I wish I still wrote <laughs> diaries. I should read some of these. They're actually horrifying. You do. They're called Instagram. Oh, no, I'm, I'm very <laughs> careful with what I put on the internet. <laughs> Um, anyway, so it was October and we all got, uh, I don't, I don't know how I would get word that she was doing stuff like this because there was no social media. I don't know how things got around, but I also somehow, Adam and I were talking, um, earlier today about how, because the album wasn't released, there was that promo that went around because, uh, even though the album was delayed or something like oh, that. Oh, the sex track, sex track promo. Six track promo. Yeah. And we both mm-hmm. had cassettes of that which was you know the, the 90s version of a leak yeah. so in my mind it did come out then because i was listening that was probably yeah. that was probably yeah. michael being so you know frustrated that he just wanted to put something right out. right well anyway so on friday october the 24th according to my diary um i met kylie minogue but kylie minogue is in all caps um, at Hey Hey It's Saturday. It was so good. I waited 12 years for that moment. It was a dream come true. <laughs> anyway, so we all went there and because we were all just screaming and going crazy and stuff um, and she was recording the segment for Did It Again that they were going to air, I think like a month later, mm-hmm. they let all of us crazy fans stick around, I think, with the condition that we would behave ourselves, which, you know, we didn't (laughs) we were Mm. screaming a lot so then we stuck around for that which then she got changed into the famous Indy Kylie red outfit Mm -hmm. and then when the show was done we all ran out the front or the side of channel nine and just waited and then she came out and it was just absolute mayhem and my inner child just went crazy so that's my my moments with some kind of bliss is kind of that era and and did you meet meet her as in speak to her? Oh, we were all kind of speaking and getting autographs, and I've got a oh, right, weird okay. photo that's probably somewhere in my you know no one at home can see this, but I've got a pile of photos from this era. Eliza's quick oh. change area is uh, it's got posters and uh, it's all very it's, it's it's all very on brand. Yes, it is very on brand. I'll find it later. But anyway, so. Okay. That was then, you know, there's that massive poster of her where she's nude that was in some magazine, but yeah, she's got her legs crossed and her hair's just slicked back. So I used to have oh, that in Sky, a... I think it was. I Sky think magazine so. magazine or something like that, yeah. I had that in a frame with the photos of me meeting her that day that just like hung above my bed. <laughs> I've still got that frame somewhere. I just don't know where to hang it there here. Anyway. Yeah. Fond memories of the end of 97. This whole era is just, Yeah. Just peak, peak life moments, I think. Amazing. Well, let's talk about that uh, mind-blowing opening act, which we briefly touched on, The Amazing Too Far, which was unlike anything we'd heard from Kylie before. And as Eliza said, it's still so excitingly fresh 25 years on. bloody good very very special about the fact that this really experimental pop track was the record's opening did it feel like the big album opener from the get-go not at all it was written at um we were doing i 
again, unfortunately, I have not been able to locate my 1990, whenever it was, six <laughs> file of facts. But um, <laughs> I do know that we were doing something else at Sam West, which is actually the studio that we, we did the last album in, in the studio two downstairs, which was always known as George Michael's studio because where it's where he worked for most of the time and the Pet Shop Boys studio and there's a beautiful piano in there and and we had a break and I remember her walking in with the notebook and there was some scribbled things and um, there is a, a demo of I think I somewhere around there was a demo of me saying to my engineer Paul Wright who I worked with on the last album um, can you this is this is going to age this brilliantly but can you put the dat into record <laughs> in case we come up with something decent and um and you just hear her sort of doing some things and me doing some things and then you just hear this kind of ding 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 ding, ding like that thing oh. um and then the whole song was written this is sounds so weird considering how it ended up but that entire song was written around the piano really so yeah yeah which is mad considering that the 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 timbre of the the lyric and the speed of it and everything and the beat that's behind it none of that existed it was just literally i mean there's on the demo i'm just holding a like a low dong that that kind of note and she's just going da -da 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 -da, and, and the lyrics but well, most of the lyrics i think nearly all the lyrics were kind of done and i'm sort of sitting there looking and listening in absolute awe of what these this poetry that's coming out of this girl mm. and it's dark like it's properly dark yeah um and uh yeah so so in answer to your question adam no it, it it came to fruition as a piano and vocal thing and then it was down to david and i to then say right what are we going to do with this and actually even the the kind of them da -da, da -da, the little string thing was all although everything was on a piano um and then we just transferred it into the combination of break beats um like string quartet and uh and basically drum and bass really yeah talking instruments is it true that kylie actually played some instruments on the album as well um i imagine so yeah i don't remember her playing anything on what we did i don't remember but maybe she did on on some other things obviously i mean every single vocal on there is her um yeah. there is a really interesting uh I might have said this before, but there really there is a really interesting guest appearance on Too Far by some bees. What? So, bees. What? So in the middle of stop it, bees. Bees, yes, <laughs> yes. So in the middle of Too Far, where it drops down and she's doing the very very high stuff, yeah, like, and she's doing that high wailing, and there's those really really nice chords just before it gets to the final zhong that thing. Um, mm. If you're listening on the headphones, there are some bees that are spinning around your head to give the thought, uh, to give the impression or the feeling of claustrophobia. Oh my God, oh my I God. never knew this. And I can't believe you just dropped in spinning around as you're explaining that. Well done. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. I should have a drink. I've learned from the best. I've learned from the best. She's having, yeah, exactly. Have a sip. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there, because we just felt that the whole thing needed to feel claustrophobic. And the other piece of information about that, which I've just remembered, I've never spoken about, and he's so, so nerdy that no one's going to care, is, um, one of the biggest uh one of the biggest designers of that record is my engineer called alan bremner who i was originally my assistant when we were doing the first album um and then i got to know him and he started mixing stuff for us and he ended up working with us and sort of was part of brother in rhythm later on but he was the person that mixed everything 
and we were <clears throat> mixing in studio two i think the woodroom i think it was at real world and at that time peter was making um i don't even know what album it would have been uh it maybe it was over i don't know i can't remember what it was but there's a brilliant engineer called chad blake this is i'm just going to get super nerdy for a second so oh, feel free to skip <laughs> Chad Blake, who's amazing, and he mixed all of Peter's stuff. And he's if anyone look look him up, he's brilliant. He's done. He's the, one of the coolest guys in the world. But he used to make his own effects. So like, it, it, for people now that make music, you have a laptop and you want an effect and you press it and it has a plug in. Right. So you know we are in the dark ages here. There is no <laughs> plugins. This is multi tracks. This is some samplers, and the drum beat, the drum samples just weren't sounding good enough. And um, and Chad uh, at the time was uh, was romantically involved with one of the assistants who's now his wife, and she was assisting us on Impossible Princess. And she said, "Oh, Chad's just made this thing. You might be good for this." And she brought it in, and it was like a contraption with wires coming out of it, and it was just you had one input and one output. And it was just like a transformer. It had been soldered together. It looked like it had been put together in the, like, um, I don't know, we had a program here called Blue Peter. And it was like, it's like very handmade. Mm. And, um, and on the front of it, there was the title of this, what he called this machine. So I won't swear on here, but it was called the Effer, basically. Oh, you can swear. And it was meant to, <laughs> it, it, it was meant to, and it was meant to, to, to F sound up. And, um, right. and that's what we used on, that so Alan put all of the drums and all of the loops and everything through that, oh and all of a sudden gosh. the track just went junk. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's Chad oh. gave us that. So that's kind of one of the reasons why it does sound so. I don't know, just possibly why your friend said, "Is this old or is this new?" Because it still sounds yeah. quite punchy. But yeah, so between, I mean, and then the rest of it was, I mean, it, you know, string arrangement. The string stuff was in there, but obviously, you know we can talk about it further but you know will malone who did had done confide in me did bit sweet symphony um and was our arranger for the whole of this record as well so he was part of it and we wanted it to be it we wanted it to be a quartet we didn't want it to be an orchestra on this song it needed to sound scratchy every mm. single thing in this every single thing in this song in this production was meant to make you feel uncomfortable right that's what we wanted mm. because it was uncomfortable is so, it one of your um, favourite Kylie tracks of all time? Would you rank it in your top oh, 10, top oh, 5? Oh, absolutely. I absolutely love it. I mean, there's so many things. There's our guitar player, Greg Bone, who recorded all this stuff. And he we, we in, again, the old days, it sounds so ancient now when you can do so much. But, you know, we wanted it to be backwards guitar. But the only way you get backwards guitar is if you literally play the whole song backwards and record the guitar forwards and then you right. reverse it and then do it that way. So all that stuff in the chorus that there's a thing that's panning from left to right, which sounds a bit like a kind of like a, like the prodigy sort of vibe. That's a guitar playing backwards. There's so many tiny little noises in this. Um, and yeah, and her vocal we've kept really, really dry and really present and really in your face as well, which hadn't really been done with her before. Right. I've nerded out there. I've nerded out there, but yeah. Oh, no. Amazing. Oh, I'm very happy I'm that yeah, you have. Yeah, same. <laughs> I'm very happy that you have. Yeah. <laughs> there was a promotional, yeah. tw a 12-inch promotional single of this, wasn't there? Was there? We did a, we did a remix of it. Is there yeah, a physical a big... copy out there? 
Uh, I got one somewhere. Yeah, yeah, we did they quite labels of it. Yeah, there's a, the, the big, there's a Brothers in Rhythm house mix of it, which was, right. again, totally redone and turned into a big house thing, which actually, I think, is it's out, isn't it? It's out in the world. I'm sure it's somewhere. Yeah, it's come out yeah, or something. Yeah, yes, yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It was a, there was a UK promo release of it. Right, yeah. right. With the uh, Brothers in Rhythm remix and the Deconstruction logo. Yeah, and there was right. like a dub and there was someone, I think Junior might have done a mix of it as well. I'm not sure. Someone else did a he mix did, of it. He did. He did do a mix of it as Lego. well, yeah. Next on the list is the seductive charms of Cowboy <gasps> What a bloody song, Steve. Let me get that, my hat on. That intro, <laughs> I remember the first time I heard that intro as a kid and just because of my Eastern European background and everything as well, mm. that that opening, those opening the guitar just hit a little differently and still does to this day. I get goosebumps every time I hear that mm. song. I'm so happy for you to say that because we were... You know, we that was such a. I don't know if that song would have been written anywhere else but real world because we wanted to have something that had flavors of of everywhere. We just wanted to be just multi everything and um, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah. And the guitar was one. I think I think the guitar riff was the first thing that we we started on that. But it's got you know Middle Eastern sort of guitar, and then it's got kind of Irish violin, and it's got these kind of big kind of. <laughs> drums like african drums and like a breakbeat and so yeah it was a real melting pot of a song um and quite in many ways weirdly quite um sort of a little nod to the more experimental time of the beatles as well that's in there that's kind of around that you know the george harrison end of that sort of thing mm -hmm. so yeah there again no rules i mean that song it's a whole song, and then the second half just completely changes and does something totally different. Mm. Oh, that second yeah, half. I can, it's, it's in my top ten <laughs> of all time Kylie songs. Like, I can't remember where I ranked it on our first episode, but, yeah, top ten. Like, I, I just I can't get enough of it. Aussie, Aussie single. I have that too, oh. yes, yes. <laughs> but it wasn't released in the UK, was it? What's on the, what's on also, what else is on that Aussie single? Can't what are the other tracks on that? Love Takes Over Me. Oh, right. That's right. And then yeah. the video. Yeah. And the video. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, thank you. I'm so, I'm so pleased you both like that. Yeah. Oh. I mean, that again came from a, that almost just came straight off the page. I feel that's one that we did a rough idea for a track for and she heard it and went, yep, I've got the lyrics for this. Mm you know Amazing. cut to Oof. whatever page it was i think it probably just said cowboy style and it was like oh ah. yeah this fits with this so um wow. that's uh that's yeah. genius of 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 ms minogue oh so good so so good i mean that it set the stage for the whole i mean this cowboy had the whole intimate live aesthetic was you know a lot of yeah, cowboy will will does yeah will likes a will william likes a brief <laughs> and he also likes and he also likes cowboys so i thought that's what you were going to say well. cowboy style was released on the 5th of october in 1998 as the final single from impossible princess peaking at number 39 on the australian aria singles chart 
Let's move on to single number two from Impossible Princess. Oh, yeah, I could. Which is the absolute <laughs> Kylie classic. Did it uh, again. Never girl. Think you are, but you think too much. Shut down, Turner. Don't look that way anymore. Tell us what you can about what you remember creating that monster, because what oh. a track. Well, I'm, I, like a, I'm like a broken record yeah, tonight. So oh, what a track. But it really is a testament to how amazing yeah. this bloody record is. It's, um, it, it was, I think I alluded to it earlier, it was, um, I don't play guitar, and it was one of the ones that I had a guitar, I bought a guitar over. I mean, it's probably a really expensive guitar, and I was just, um, I mean, it's, it's the only instrument that I, to be fair, it's the only instrument I've ever been taught and when I was a kid. Um, but I'd, I'd forgotten all about it. And I just picked it up and I was just like, oh, we need to do something a bit. I don't know. I just thought we were really into garbage, basically. That's the right. bottom line mm-hmm. is we love garbage and love Shirley. Still do. Amazing. And yes. um, and felt like it just was like, why don't we, can we get something here which is kind of guitar-y, but break beats, whatever. But genuinely, my main memory of that is sitting in the living room in our little cottage and on three separate sofas. And just going, oh, well, you mean, you know, something like this. And it was just like, ding, 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 like that thing mm. on a on a bar chord for anyone that plays guitars, because, you know, it's that. And um, and I just think, again, she, as always, would just, you know, we, we never did that thing where we start with the chorus. Every, I think every song that we wrote on this album, we started from the beginning and it was a journey. Um, right. And I think she just, the clever girl thing just came straight out. Um, and I don't even think at the time whether the whole the whole multi personality thing was much later. I think with the video, but it was just that thing, that internal voice that I think we all sort of have, really. Where mm. yeah. you know, there's that, inner that thing, yeah, there's, <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, and again, I think that to be honest, I think the entire thing was written around a guitar. So we just sat in the room with Dave, and 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 Dave's obviously a fantastic lyricist as well. So you know, he was you know, collaborating with her on it. And um, and it was kind of some of the own, it was the simplest chords that I could play. Um, so that's why there's not many in it. Um, but it didn't have any of the, again, probably Adam, that sort of slightly Middle Easterny, ding, 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 that thing probably, ding, yeah. yeah, yeah. That wasn't in there bef- before then. Um, and then we took it over to the main studio and, and just sort of started to build up a track around it. And uh, there's some crazy stuff on that. There's like crazy mad guitar stuff the whole middle section where it all of a sudden goes and phases and goes again quite Beatles Mm. um Mm -hmm. yeah that's that's it that's what I remember and then eventually I got um my friend Greg Bone to play the guitar my bad guitar properly but um I ended up going back to using the guitar on it and the intro is still me because it's just I don't know why it's just sounded had something about it it was kind of not great but it just we kind of got used to it so so that's that dodgy guitar from the demo wow well speaking of the video you know i've got about 10 pages of notes on that video Mm -hmm. i mean i feel like i defined my entire personality around this song at the time like it was just (laughs) my 21st birthday fell around intimate live and you know i went as indie kylie i then wore that red outfit to the anti-tour like it was so important to me (laughs) 
But I guess my first question for both of you, I'll start with you, Steve. Which Kylie do you identify with? All of them. All of them? Uh, One doesn't stand out? (laughs) No. Well, I was reading um, on the interwebs today that, uh, how was it? Uh, Sex Kylie was like a, what was it? Like a drag queen with a bad bad attitude or something like that. Oh, no, hang on. A a drag queen with a bitchy attitude and slutty appearance. So just to clarify, you partly identify with that. Oh, God, absolutely. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) I just wanted to confirm that for the record. Adam, which Kylie do you identify with? (laughs) Well, I think them it was... Always dance Kylie because that was really my whole world mm. at that point because I had an auntie and uncle who were just starting to go out clubbing. So they were bringing all of the music from their clubbing into the house as well. And so that was very much my world. I think probably now it'd be mm, da- dance and indie Kylie. Mm. I don't think I could ever associate with cute Kylie <laughs> as myself. It's just... It just doesn't feel right. right. Uh, and yeah, but and sex remember, Kylie, but maybe when Kylie, I was 21. <laughs> but cute Kylie got actually was quite fierce by the end. Cute she Kylie was, fought back. you are right. I think maybe the right answer is the answer that you gave, Steve. Is all that, of them. Yeah, not right now, but I think in all of our lives, we've all been one of, one of them. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think my, uh, my, my underlying one is probably dance Kylie, but I've definitely, you know... Mm-hmm. I can relate to all of them. And I love that it was, yeah. you know, very, the whole video was very Alanis ironic, which mm. was directed by Stefan. So mm. I don't know if that was a coincidence or because that was a, a couple of years earlier. But yeah, that anyway, would be a, that would be a, a Baker question. <laughs> yes. But um, do you know what I discovered today <laughs> in my research? So the director, and I am definitely going to mispronounce his name, Pedro Romhani. Have I pronounced that okay. right? Anyway, do you know what he's actually most known for now? Go on. He is an assistant director on Ted Lasso. So two of my favourite things, Ted Lasso wow. did it again. Worlds collide. Oh, wow. That I was that is so a excited. Fun fact. Such a fun that fact. That is a fun fact. I yeah, love that. I was. That's probably the most fun fact I've discovered in all of this. But yeah, that, I mean, my birthday cake when I was twenty-one was Indie Kylie. It was like Indie Kylie on a cake. Oh. Mm. This this is how obsessed with this song I was. Like anyway, I could I could go on and on and on, but yes, yeah, very defining moment. I don't think that's. I've got anything more in my notes. Hugely, that video was hugely iconic in the sense as well that it was constantly played here on mm. music TV, on all like rage video hits. And from what I remember, Fox were hammering quite a lot of the singles from this album as well at the time. Oh yeah, there was there, there was there was a really good commercial support. In Australia, but not only that, alternative radio in Australia was supporting as well. So there was a whole bunch of new ears and new listeners coming into the album too. It's it's such a fascinating record to look into the history of. And obviously it's just been a blast so far talking to you about it, Steve. But yeah, I just... 
yeah i think also with australia as well and i think this we thought about this we concentrated this very much when we were looking at the sound of of the tour is i think and and you would both know much better than me but i think there was a certain part of australia that hadn't really um weren't necessarily you know she wasn't necessarily their bag because it was maybe they weren't into the heavily you know sort of produced stuff but because i think when you put a guitar in something um sometimes you know and i think with bliss and with this i think it kind of pricked the ears up a bit and i think it um yeah it it, you know we we would hear things and i would hear things i was there and just like oh actually yeah i quite like that and they they almost might have heard it and not know it was her so um i do think it it in many ways it sounds like a weird thing to say but for some people it felt like it was quite grown up um Mm. and sometimes just you know so it it opened it up but it was ultimately it was a big spanking pop record with a single and a chorus our friend um jazz asked me uh, an amazing question to ask you which kylie tracks do you feel have an impossible princess energy not sonically but just the vibe what since then oh yeah you know she does mean since sorry you've understood this better than i have uh-huh. um sorry i'm just gonna have a quick are <laughs> <laughs> you just looking up just <laughs> kylie just, discography. Just gonna... <laughs> no no i'm just gonna i'm just gonna just remind myself of a couple of things just to uh uh to give because that's quite a hard question um right. i will give you an answer Hang on. well I, my the first one i would immediately say is is i think lost without you is very ip ah yes i feel like that explains why i love that (laughs) i think that has um some of that energy i think also let me think what's what since um there's probably a couple on africa i mean weirdly slow could have has a bit of it yeah um i think uh and what was the other one i was thinking of yeah i can't i can't give you a dig you might have to edit that out i can't give you a dig what, <laughs> what do you to turn it around on you what which ones oh. do you think has impossible princess energy i don't know well the funny thing is it's and you know hindsight is everything um i've spoken before about how i wasn't ready for light years i can look back and be like okay i enjoy it now but i was ready for more you know impossible princess i guess yeah that kind of stuff. And so, you know, whenever I was doing my mixtapes and stuff, I'd always pick out songs from that era that I actually did really love. And they were inevitably, I looked back like a decade later and they were all the ones that you had worked on, which I was like, okay, well, that probably yeah. makes sense. So Butterfly, I would probably say, like, I liked Butterfly, Bittersweet Goodbye, all the B-sides. Whether that means it's Impossible Princess-esque, well, I don't know. It does, because they were all written in the same room as Impossible Princess. Right. Well, oh, wow. that's, see, and I, I never sort of knew that until years <laughs> later, but they were always the songs that I'd, I'd skip a lot in light years, but I'd always pull all of those other ones out for my, you know, little mixtapes. Well, that, that you're, full you're, extended you're, mix of, of Butterfly is just incredible. Uh, yeah. But, but yeah, so that's the, so if there is an energy, then it is actually a, a, almost like a real world energy because everything right. you said was written in the same room just later yeah, that's amazing yeah they're not there there must be something in that place whatever it is something in the water yeah something literally in, in the water literally <laughs> yeah it's like a if, if, you go, if anyone, go get baptized 
yeah yeah i mean if anyone listening if you if you it's worth just you know going out and have a google of real world because i think when you see the studios and you see the room it will explain quite a lot as to what i'm talking about it's it sounds a bit kind of woo woo and hippie when i talk about it but when you look at when you look at it you'll understand i mean you can just listen to this album and you'll understand like it's yeah yeah there's something different compared to Mm -hmm. everything else Released on the 24th of November in 1997, Kylie's Did It Again peaked at number 9 in Scotland, number 14 in the UK, number 15 in Australia, and number 81 on that year's Triple J Hottest 100. Alright, we will move on to the next Brothers of Rhythm track on the album, which is the brilliant Say Hey. We should all be recording this in the bath, shouldn't we? (laughs) Honestly, it's like, so Too Far Say Hey and Dreams, they're the three favourites of mine from the album. Dreams is my favourite track overall from Impossible Princess. But these three, just in particular, just hit differently. Can you tell us about the very, very wild and experimental Say Hey? Absolutely. So, um, Adam, considering your lineage, I'm imagining you remember um, a production remix team called Rabbit in the Moon. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So they did that really (laughs) cool Sarah McLachlan remixes and stuff like that. And they had a very um, kind of minimal sound, which now I've said that and you listen to say, hey, it was very obvious our influence came Mm -hmm. from that kind of sound. but the truth for Say Hey is it was a comp- pretty much a completed song. It was one of the ones where she would walk in and say, I've done something. I don't know what it is. Um, I'm going to sing it for you. And, oh. and and it was up to us to then accompany that, to be honest. Um, and uh, and it was, you know, it was an open, openly it's been said, it was kind of written in the bath and and it was it had this kind of all these things you know the water being warm and everything like that so the we knew it needed to be intimate we knew it needed to be like the vocal felt like i wanted the vocal to feel like that, that she was literally talk next to you you know it was so dry it was so in like in there um but at the at times it would echo off like you're in a bathroom and in actual mm. fact one of the things we did at um, I mean, God bless my wonderful engineers. I think it was Jackie and Claire who were my assistants at, at, at Real World. We actually did um, mic up or so mic record in a bathroom with a full bath of water, and we took a little speaker in there, and and we didn't record her vocal in it, but we took a little speaker with her vocal on it and like played the vocal into the bathroom and recorded the vocal in the bathroom and occasionally just trick like put our hands in the water so oh, when you again you listen on headphones yeah but actually there's a few moments where it kind of goes from really really tiny and like dry mm. to then it goes quite big and that's where the but where we kind of bring the bathroom in because it's kind of like an ex- it's obviously like the sound of a bathroom right um right. and there's bits of the water in it there's so many cool little things on that like again alan bremner again my wonderful mix engineer you know he had this idea that from the moment she said the word play in the second verse Mm -hmm. it would then repeat 
and it and it's in it from the moment play mm. happens you hear a repeat of play yeah. it's there all the way through the song it just comes back and by the time it gets to the end it's quite distorted but it's it has a hit we wanted it to have a really hypnotic effect so um mm. and of course it's just kind of one vocal and then there's some extra bits and pieces that come in but um yeah that it was it was a done deal really we just had to find a world for it to live in sonically that would match what she was imagining in her head so that is where the executive producer or co-producer of, of Kylie really comes in right. um, because she's brilliant at that stuff and um, you just uh, sometimes you're just a passenger and you just help um, so yeah that that was it and I just wanted it to have really warm pads kind of almost like a again Adam that sort of Todd Terry-esque you know baseline mm -hmm. um, and all of that all of those great american remixer producer people that we used to love at that time that were doing more minimal and and brothers in rhythm let's be honest we're not known for their subtlety so um <laughs> we wanted to prove that we could really really do it right. uh even though it gets a bit big at the end oh so it's that's... so what a song yeah incredible yeah. incredible song thank you Let's raise our glasses oh. for the next track because the next track is Drunk. Oh, you don't have to tell me oh. twice. <laughs> <Click>. <laughs> Hang on, do you want an actual sound effect? I've still got some in my little bottle here. I only have a she's little on, mini bottle. She's on the mimosas, everybody. <laughs> the Mi the I adore the chaos of drunk. Of being drunk yeah. or... No, Eliza. <laughs> <laughs> but it is a bit like that, isn't it? I mean, it is quite it manic. Is. I was 20 when this album came out and it was the peak of my partying days. This was the perfect track to just, you know, when you're pre-gaming, pop this on. It was great. <laughs> perfect. Anyway, not, think, not important. I think the extent of my pre-gaming at this point was like a, a bottle of uh, a West Coast cooler. <laughs> How old were you, 14? <laughs> I, was still, I was still quite yeah. young, yes, about that. <laughs> anyway, sorry, you were going to say something that was not about, you know, being a young, drunk person. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I think, um, again, as I said, it started off, we had this idea that we wanted to write a song that wasn't, sounds weird a song that wasn't really a song but a song that was deconstructed um as oh. a, a a kind <laughs> of i don't know like a, a a jumble of words that would come out it wasn't we didn't want to write a verse bridge and a chorus even though right. we ended up getting a chorus out of it and i think you know there's obviously some influence from Björk in there that in the way that the you know and it was like how can we change this how can we do this and it started off really it took a while actually this one i do remember um to kind of get it right and to experiment with it and again having the time to do that but i always remember that we sort of wanted this to be like the mini kind of brothers in rhythm soundtrack club record because we'd done these soundtracks where they were like 12 minutes and in the end you get this breakdown so we thought well how do we condense that into three and a half minutes and sort of start off as underworld 
and then end up in just big kind of piano stuff which actually i mean underworld also did you know with things like slippy and stuff so um but it was very much rooted in the rave scene and uh and and yeah and it and it started originally much smaller and then yeah we came back and i think i had an idea once when i was listening to some soundtrack or something thinking, oh this could be more dramatic and we could kind of put some i knew i had will malone so i knew we could play with some strings um but uh yeah i mean it is euphoria is what we were after so mm. i hope we achieved that you and do. chaos chaos is a good word adam i like that word we mm. think it is quite chaotic <laughs> yeah and and also like i mean i know we've talked about it a bit but lyrics like mm. if you sit mm. down and read the lyrics to this thing you know this is extraordinary considering you know this is the girl that was you know for for years before that was sort of being given songs to sing and, and now she's coming out with with poetry mm. yeah there's something about I've, we've spoken about this before um adam and i there's something about when she writes that just i mean it's probably the same with you know everyone when an artist writes their own song something connects more but i didn't have that this connection that i had with impossible princess i didn't feel that again until golden which from what i understand was the first time she had co-written everything mm. since impossible princess which i i didn't put that together i think till after the fact and i was like yeah there's there's something that happens when she writes that's just yeah it just hits. I think we talked think. about it on our golden special that mm. we did at the Pulse when the show, when the record yes. doctor was still on the yeah, radio, I think so. and you came in and we did the golden retrospective episode. Yeah. and I think we discussed it at length. Yeah, in that, actually, it just yeah. something just I don't know something connects. Can't put my finger on it. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, yes, that was a yeah. It was, and again, it started in one place, ended in a different one, but it always had the middle it always had that kind of breakdown that drop and again we were after the you know that's kind of what we did and from day you know so much of this album is is massively influenced by dave at that time I and mean, he still is now but being an incredibly sought after and fantastic club dj i mean i don't mm. know if you ever got to see him play at all when he was over in australia I but did. I did. Yeah. yeah so you so adam you know what his sets were like right yeah yeah so yeah it explains yeah. a lot like there's so much dave, dave seaman is the 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 kind of dna of dave seaman runs through this album like you wouldn't believe not only right. as a as, as as a writer but also just as a producer and inspiration and and bringing this extra thing to it that um was invaluable to us we briefly touched on this before but my favorite dreams this is just oh, what a track i mean we've heard a little bit from you about the creation of this pure dream pop moment pardon the pun but <laughs> if there's what else can you tell us about this song because this is one that a lot of people cite as their favorite moment from the record yeah mine too thank you i mean mine too actually um i uh again it was written before real world it was the thing that changed everything um she had uh i think that she had this the, the book the um billy childish book that i mm -hmm. i seem to remember nick nick might have given her actually um, yeah i was saying to that interview again and she, that's what yeah. she said, that I think he gave it to Nick, who gave it to her. Yeah. So it's poems to break the hearts of impossible princesses. And um, and w what an inspiration of, of kind of 
of where to go. Mm. And again, it was one of those ones where I think I had, I was working on something that was, you know, a little overly dramatic and cinematic. Um, and, but it had a kind of a beat to it and had, uh, again, you know, that whole thing with the influences of Massive Attack and all those kind of people. Um, but I'd, again, we, I like that idea of I wanted it to, to have um, the verses would be like string quartet and then it would go from a string quartet into a full orchestra for the choruses, which is which is what how it ended up. But um, other than that, yeah. And uh, and also that kind of, the, the one thing on Impossible Princess as, as an album, there's quite a few moments where the middle sections do a very similar thing. So like it drops down to not very much and it's like spoken vocals and stuff. So like that happens in this as well you know, with nothing's what it seems, living in your dreams, that thing. Mm -hmm. And then it all kind of goes off. But like the middle of Too Far kind of gets quite quiet as well. So there's a few mm -hmm. moments where we do that trick a few times and it brings people in. But outside of that, I just, um, I I think really in the creation of this, it was, she was super inspired and, uh, and we put together the demo, which was very rough compared to how it ended up. Um, and it's the song that changed everything. It's the song that made us scrap everything we were doing before. And and we didn't know if it was going to be the title track of the album, but we just knew that this was the record we had to make. I saw someone ask you recently online, um, was it originally called Impossible Princess? And yes. I think you said yes. So it was always it, called Impossible Princess. How come it changed to Dreams and who changed I it? Don't, I don't... Do you know that's a really interesting question? I always assumed it changed to Dreams because the album title changed oh, so it would be weird having a right. song because that would have been in the same that would have been the same right problem right. yes with what had happened tragically at the time yes yes it, it's, you couldn't have a song called that even on an album you know what i mean i just yeah, think yeah yeah that at the, at the at the time um and it, you know around everything that, that sadly happened with Diana. I think uh, anything was, it would have been wrong. So I feel, I, I believe that's probably why it got changed. Right. Yeah. It's such, I've always said that, you know, if anyone wants to understand me as a person to um, take this album and listen to it, but specifically this song, it just, something just, I don't know. I felt seen and heard. I've also said that I want to be buried with this album. <laughs> Her vocal, okay. Oh yeah, her vocal at the end of Dreams as well. Oh, yeah, just... that's the demo vocal. I could never get it better. Mm. And it, it even gets slightly just it's slightly distorted on. That's why I'm feeling. Uh, uh, one, I think all the feelings or keep believing or one of those mm. two. There's because I we recorded it as a demo and I don't think for some reason I hadn't. I didn't know if we were going to keep it and whatever. And she just was so powerful. She actually mm. it wasn't even the tape. She overpowered the microphone. The microphone kind of couldn't take the power of her voice. Wow! Um, and we got we got around it with the mix, but um, yeah, we we've tried to do it. I mean, obviously she's done it again live, and it's great. But at the time, we tried re-recording that, and it just didn't work. So mm. that's her. That's the first time she ever sang the song. Is is that ending? Amazing. Do you have a copy of that book, well, the Billy Childish book? Uh, yeah, I do have it somewhere. Yeah, yeah, I have got it somewhere. Yeah, as you should. It's quite rare, but yeah, I've got mm. it somewhere, yeah. Mm. Well, before 
we uh, before I turn over to Eliza and we talk about the rest of the album, please. Yes, one more track I wanted to talk about, which is "Love Takes Over." Me. Oh, ah. please. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was one of the ones that that survived. So I think in there was one week where it was Love Takes Over Me, Impossible Princess, and Free. I think we did the oh. three songs in the same week, mm. and that was not a, that was pre Real World. Yeah, it's quite dramatic, isn't it? Love Takes Over Me. Very. <laughs> this reminds me of you know like, me. I'm high drama. Yeah. <laughs> this reminds me of you know how they're always like you know I can't believe um, Dolly Parton wrote you know Jolene and I will always love you on the same day. Well, it's like well I can't believe that Free Dreams <laughs> and Love Takes Over Me was written at the same time. Same thing. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> like, yeah. What yeah. incredible. Song. But it's also got it's also got that same middle thing. You know that. Um, like that whole middle section, love takes over me with the kind of magic is all that kind of stuff. It mm-hmm. it drops down to nothing and then comes back with everything. Yes. But um, mm. I don't know. I, I I always remember when we did it. I just in my head I was trying to write. I just was sort of going for like I don't know an electronic Bond song really. Just you know, oh, and right, um, right. Yep, yep, I can it do felt that. quite yeah. It kind mm. of felt quite bonded. And actually, we we did record the version that was done was recorded and mixed. For, for IP, so I mean, it is the proper thing with the orchestra and everything on it. Um, mm. But her vocals, unbelievable on that record. Mm-hmm. Oh, so good. Yeah. So, um, but that one saw the, it saw the light of day, so that's good. Yes, it did. Well, yeah, that was the one that's on the cowboy style as well, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, there's something, someone, I love people that tell me things and someone reminded me once that there was, it was on a vinyl, it was on a B-side of a vinyl of something maybe that was cowboy style i don't know oh, maybe. and then mm-hmm. there's, there's, there's two versions yeah so on maybe that one which is live and other sides is it called that is yeah that it's called? just called other sides it was an hmb australia other sides there was something i remember when i was in australia and they needed something and the only way they could get it was like to literally take it off of some vinyl so it must have been on a vinyl b-side at some point right because i know there's two different versions out there that, yeah, but they're just what's... very mildly different What's um? Because Limbo's on the other side of some kind of bliss. Oh no! Hang on. There we go. Cowboy style. What's that? Hang on. Some kind hang of. On. Some kind of bliss. Uh, love yep. takes over me is on the other side. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think okay. that I, don't, I can't remember that. That was a long time ago. But I seem to remember when Mushroom needed to get. Some, maybe it was the other side's thing, and they they couldn't get the original master. So I think they might have taken it off the vinyl for something for the other side's thing. But obviously, mm. every time it was on. Hits Plus or IP Deluxe, it was always right. the, the main master. Right. So, but uh, yeah, fond, <sighs> fond memories. Shall we go straight to breathe? Oh. Let's do it. <sighs> See, right, what's really good about this is now you can mention a song and I can go, oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's I've just got sort of a list of stuff because with every other album, like regardless of how familiar I am with each album, I still need to like, you know, do some notes and refresh my memory and stuff. This is pretty much the only album where I could probably just like run free because it's just so ingrained in me. Like it's the only one that I, I kind of know inside and out. Right. But anyway, so well, first of all, there's the debate album version or single version of Breathe. Because everyone's got their 
they're preferred because the album well, they're the same it's just one's faster down. yes well that's what my question is faster or slower for breathe i'm all about speeding up club tracks but breathe i prefer the album version interesting do you know what i think i do as well i think i do as well i felt it was one of those things that probably they thought oh for radio we need to that people did that quite a lot in those days like yeah. sped things up yeah i still do <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Still exactly. Do. Get it over with. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I, I was. I don't know. I felt the. Yeah, I felt it was possibly a little too fast. Um, but you know, yeah. it, I love. I loved. So I love the production. Everything mm. the grid did on this record is 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 absolute genius. You know, even Ingo are just legends. I love them. Yeah, and let's just for a moment talk about the body language live version, which I think is everybody's oh. favorite with the mashup. So good. Uh, well, so it, it is, although, you see, there was a version we did, um, we did some show, she did some shows um, for Golden, which were called the Underplay shows, which was like oh, yeah. for very, very small shows in the UK. Yeah. And there was a new version of Breathe we did for that, that sounded like, fitted in the Golden Lost Without You kind of world. <gasps> but it was never recorded annoyingly, but yeah, that was good. But yeah, there's mm. the... But the Jatem version's cool. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, funnily enough, that, cool. that interview, you know, it's like 20 minutes or whatever from that time, and she talks about how she was listening to a lot of Serge Gainsbourg at the time mm. of Impossible Princess. So was that just mm. a pure coincidence that a few years later that got mashed up? Like, was that your idea to mash that up with Breathe? I think it was probably that that was yeah probably between me and will there was there was a lot of that stuff being referenced for that particular talk for that particular show right. um and it was all that um bardo yeah, soft yeah. sort of feeling yeah um and it was about the same tempo and i think it was also there was a bit of that um it was around the time of bands like air um and that soft french kind of sound right so it yep. seemed to fit really really well right well, yeah, I mean, it's a it's a track that's just loved and, you know, it comes up quite a lot through the years. Um, and, you know, as we're approaching the 10th anniversary of Abbey Road, I guess, you know, there's a question of why was that dropped off Abbey Road? Was that, or oh, that was not your decision? Because there was a video that went out of Breathe yeah, from Abbey there Road. Was. But it didn't end up on yeah. the album. Yeah, do you know, I don't... I don't even know. <laughs> I mean, maybe just one thing, to, one thing too many. I know we recorded it. Maybe I think some, again, sometimes when you listen to a final album, it just feels like that's one, it was like one thing too many, or maybe it didn't. Right. It worked, but maybe it wasn't as special as everything else. I'm not sure. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I actually don't know why I didn't get on there actually, but um, I, lo I, I love the song. I love the song. And I, and I think even when we did it with, with in Intimate and Live, it was, you know, we wanted to stay quite close to the, you know the original with that really cool keyboard sound and stuff like that yeah yeah when was that written when was breathe when did that all come together was that after i, I think dave and ingo and no i think it was all at the same time right okay i think she, i have a feeling she was working with the grid at the at, you know when she wasn't working with us okay and the grid were also signed to deconstruction as an act so it made sense yes. that, right right that they were doing stuff and then you know and they have you know they have got some great singles and great stuff themselves and of course for anyone that that doesn't know dave ball was also in a and is still also in another amazing band called soft cell 
Yes. Right, of course. Well, and that video, let's, I mean, it was like the continuation almost of Put Yourself in My Place, free-floating, mm. just mm. An incredible. And that was, so who directed that? Kieran Evans. That was his debut music video, if you can believe it. Wow. wow. I know. Start. I know. Like, I looked at that and I was like, um, I would have assumed that was like a veteran. Alas, mm. no. Anyway. Wow. And also, what a great message. Breathe, it won't be long now. What a great message for life in general. Bit of a mantra. It really is. She was, <laughs> Kylie invented mindfulness. Yeah. <laughs> She's amongst that. other things. I know. <laughs> Whilst Kylie was inventing mindfulness, Danny was inventing ASMR and those two things together. There we incredible. go. Incredible. Officially released as Impossible Princess's third single on March the 16th in 1998, Breathe peaked at number 14 in both the UK and Scotland, number 23 here locally in Australia, and number 70 on the European Eurochart Hot 100. Incredible. Um, so what else haven't we discussed? We're up to... I don't need anyone. Yes. Okay, so that was Manic Street Preachers. What, what do, do you know about that? How that came about? Was that all in the same session with some kind of bliss? As far as I know, from only from talking to Dave Erringer, who produced it, it was done in the same same sessions. Yeah, the two I think James had was possibly um, charged with writing something with her in mind, and those were what he came out with. But um, that one is really that, I, that one really is kind of you know indie Dusty Springfield for me, mm. and um, with the big strings and everything. And that was so cool on Anti Tour. Like I remember, oh, there's that rehearsal so video cool. yes. of the band. The band, they loved that song. They smashed that song out. Um, it's such a cool song. And obviously she was, she was involved in the writing as well. But um, yeah, no, I think both of those were done at the, at the same time. I love that song. Just to detour to anti-tour, how, how did this get chosen for that? I can't remember if we asked you that last time. Like, why why this song? Why did, why did this one come up over? Just because it's just a banger. It's just like, mm. we just... And also it felt like we were trying not... The idea with it, I think, was to try not to do singles, even though we did a few singles. Mm. So it was very much a deep cut. So Bliss would have been more of an easy choice. So this yeah. felt like more of a deep cut. Right. And we okay. just knew that she could have so much fun on stage with it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh it's such a great track. All right, now we're coming up to, look, the only song on the album that I have a complicated relationship with, and that that is Jump, and I don't know why. This is one of my favourites. Yeah, I think I remember you saying that, and I was like, oh, I mm. wonder what... I don't know. I have to revisit it and see if I... It's probably the Rob Dugan thing as well, because I was big big, big in that kind of stuff. I was listening to a lot of Rollo and Sister Bliss at the time as well. Right. Too, yeah. Really, really into their remixes. And so this really, really fit into that world. So that's probably why it's always been a favourite for mine. Of mine, rather. Right. Yeah, it was all that kind of club to death stuff. That club to death stuff, wasn't it, Adam? All that Dugan stuff, mm-hmm. Furious oh, Angels. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Rob's got. <laughs> There's a really cool album, like Rob has an album called Furious Angels, which I recommend for people if they like this song, because it's so cool. And also he was one of the first people really to ever work with Craig Armstrong, who obviously has since gone on to be a, a huge, uh, um, you know, composer for films and incredible, incredible talent. 
Um, but yeah, I loved it. And I actually love the simplicity. And I feel like there's so much that is summed up about Kylie in just the words, I run to the future and jump. Mm. I feel like that's her career. She's mm. always running and she's always wow. jumping and never staying, never standing still. So that's kind of my feeling about this one. I love it. Yeah, see, I, lo oh, I love it lyrically. I think because it must have been, you know, the maybe the time that I was in and just the frenetic pace of the rest of the album. I, yeah. I, I was just constantly in that go mode. <laughs> so when I got to jump, I'm like, no, 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 no. I need to, like, keep going, keep going. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I thought Will used it really beautifully in White, beautifully in White Diamond as well. I think the, the, this in the soundtrack at the point yeah. where this comes in, I think it was so beautifully used. But, yeah, yeah no, I, I, I have always adored this song. Mm. Well, one song I do love, despite what I've just said about, you know, wanting to keep the pace up, is I love Through the Years. Love right. it. I, That's I, good. I want to I see it in a jazz, I want to see it on that, you know, jazz tour, maybe in the French winery that we spoke about a year ago. <laughs> Right, right. Absolutely love it. It's very different, though, to the rest of the album. Yeah, it is. It is. It's, again, that sort of, again, going back, being slightly nerdy, there's that. Um, there's a, a whole label around that time called Mowax, which was kind of DJ Shadow and all those kind of guys that were, uh, were doing stuff, and it, it fits a little bit into that world, which was the kind of chill-out equivalent of the more the other stuff we were talking about, like Underworld and Rabbit in the Moon. So, it, um, yeah, I think it fits really nicely in, in mm. that and, and, and fits really well with Jump as well. Mm. Yeah, no, big, but again, big fan great, of that. great, great lyrics again. Amazing yep. lyrics. Oh, incredible. Did we talk about Limbo or not? I don't think we did. Oh, we spoke about it briefly at the start where Steve, briefly you said you loved it. Uh, you said, uh, yeah. And I said, was it going to be a single? Because I'd read that, but let's go there. <laughs> Oof. This is another one of those tracks that makes the hair stand on end when I listen yeah. to it, still mm. to this day. And just the ferociousness of her vocal on mm. this. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. So bloody good. Yeah, and this live was just bonkers. Bonkers is a good word. <laughs> it was. Bonkers <laughs> is a great word. <laughs> but I mean, just like... I've had to just kind of just because I don't know this off by heart, but just I see them all smiling, those all around me tend to my wounds and alert my senses. That's extraordinary yeah. writing, isn't it? Yeah, I was listening to that interview again to bring that interview up, and she said, and I'd forgotten all of this, something about writing it because she was stuck somewhere. I wrote Limbo in Spain. Gosh, I've almost been around the world already. <laughs> I wrote that in Spain, but it was actually about a time where I couldn't see the person I wanted to see because of bureaucracy and and I, I, I basically couldn't leave the country and I felt so trapped and so I, I just felt like I was in limbo there was no other way to describe it um, and I, I say I see them all smiling those all around me they tend to my wounds like everyone was saying oh don't worry it'd be okay just a couple of days and I was like I can't wait a couple of days yes yes you're all being very helpful but it doesn't make any difference to me at this point in time. I'm I'm completely trapped. So I actually I used these lyrics in a different form in another song 
which was a very like a very pretty polite song and so I, I just didn't feel they were right that way so when it came time to write Limbo I was with Dave Ball and Ingo Falk and they just had some groove going that again I'm flipping through the pages of my notes and the lyrics to this song found their home and we actually used the, the demo vocals because it was just one of those moments and I was saying are you ready are you ready quick I've got to, I need to record it now so I'm very pleased that that found its place but you're right, Adam, as well, that especially that the second verse of that thing with the whole, you know, the caught in a crossfire verse. I mean, mm. it's just, mm-hmm. wow. Um, and it's been done a few times, um, or a couple of times on, on tour. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, really extraordinary writing and so urgent and very much the underworld thing, more mm. than anything that we yeah. did, I feel, mm-hmm. you know, this is the underworld thing. In fact, I probably even went more underworld when we did it for... Uh, uh, fever. I think Kylie Fever. I think this was in Kylie Fever, and that was super underworld. Mm. Yes. Oof. Oh, it's for Fever anniversary God. today, day of recording. Happy anniversary, Fever. Oh, oh. it is true. It's another one. So <laughs> every, every day seems to be an anniversary. Yes, Cowboy Styles coming up this week. Put that on your calendar. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, tears. I mean, I don't really have anything to say other than, oh, what a song. Like, that was... <laughs> Who wrote that? I don't have... I didn't write that note. Dave, Dave, and, uh, Dave and Ingo. It was a grid. That's right. Mm-hmm. So that that's ever... quite fits. Right. That fits sonically with Limbo and all that kind of stuff. Because that's a, yes, that's a big uh, anti-tour 2.0 request from a lot of people. Yeah. That's... That would make sense. Oh, that is a great song. Yeah, it's really, really good, isn't it? I love that one. Walk us through Take Me With You. That is, that's, that's real world. Everything about that song right. is real world. In a, in a nutshell, it's, it's kind of world music. It's that kind of percussion of stuff. It's a chant. It was just letting real world it was written in that same back room and uh and then as you know she came out with a chant she came up with all that kind of stuff there was it was really just letting the kind of gabriel vibe kind of enter into the room that we were in and uh with like weird choirs and you know sort of flutes and all this kind of stuff uh and again it's sort of this beautiful violin but the thing about it again and i, I third time of mentioning alan bremner but the whole second half of that section of that of sorry the second half of that song um which made it so long was just he just created it out of again it, now you'd have it on a computer he was using multi-tracks he was using effects he was using things on the the mixing desk where he'd mute things out and put it he just crafted this thing it took him about i think we left him about we went off for dinner about eight o'clock at night and he was still there at something like five o'clock in the morning oh my gosh um making this beautiful ending of this song and this kind of sonic landscape and we just you know we knew it was never going to get on the record but right. it just felt and I, and also i love that again the yearning of that last the last chorus is the i don't want to hurt inside you know bits i just feel like it just was so heartfelt from her um and what such a 
yeah, such a heartfelt and beautiful lyric as well. Was this from so, the same um, time yeah, as Dreams and everything? No, no, this was no? real. This was real world. This right, was right. this would have been the same time as Drunk and right, right, yeah. right. Yeah, the only the, the only ones that the three that I mentioned, the only ones that I can remember that we didn't, apart from the ones that didn't make it. You know, they were the ones we did. But this right. would have been written at real. It was. It has real world running uh, through. That's a huge fan favorite as well. Right. Huge. Yeah, you you have to dig in there with it because it takes a while to get going, and it wouldn't have, wouldn't survive a single second in the spotify world of get to the point within two seconds <laughs> right but um but yeah it is it's it's yeah i'm, I'm yeah. a huge I, i'm really enjoy that yeah well the only other two b-sides i've got on my list here are fan favorites stay this mm. way and you're the one A collective sigh of just—I <laughs> mean, well, "Stay This Way" was never going to go on the record. It was always we knew it was going to be a B-side, but I just wanted to put her in a smoky jazz room and see what happened. Oh, there's so many. What's if you could just off the top of your head, if you were doing a smoky jazz thing? I mean, she just did it recently in New York, but I've always had this fantasy of a smoky jazz Kylie gig. So you know, you know, "Stay This Way" and through the years, like what else? What else do we put on that? Well, there's a lot of the stuff that we did from that we recorded, which ended up going on White Diamonds. So, you know, Try Your Wings, which oh, yes. ended up was on White Diamonds. Um, and then there was songs like Pill Me a Grape that we did for White Diamonds. I think that got used, but we did, we did a hot again, real world. We went down and we recorded about nine or 10 songs. It was around the time we were um, doing stuff or the time we met Blossom Deary and all that stuff. Right. So, um, but yeah, it was, we were, we nearly did. We nearly talked about doing a smoky jazz club gig. Well, there's one day, I've, maybe. Uh, I think, you know, Mardi Gras sideshow, which would then, you know, <laughs> can start manifesting that just little. But yeah, that stay, stay this way was stay this way was that kind of, I think it really was just me and her just like having fun and saying, let's see what Kylie sounds like singing jazz because I hadn't really heard her do it before. Um, and of course she mastered it like she does everything. Yeah. <laughs> she could do jazz so easily. Like it just sounds like that's what she's always been doing. Yeah. 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 So <sighs> yeah. And yeah. And you're the one we, I know we spoke about you're the one, but I mean, you're the one was just a mix of, of, you know, the brightness um, turning into the darkness in that sort of way that, you know, um, stay by Shakespeare's sister kind of has those two oh. wor worlds. This kind yes. of had those two worlds, and and again had a bit of that Doors influence that we touched on for Confide in Me and things like that. So, mm -hmm. were you? Yeah. I think you mentioned on an anti tour episode how surprised you were at the reaction at the anti tour because it's it's like it only even even the leak of it is a YouTube of a really dodgy cassette recording. So, yeah, I was shocked at how many people had heard it, for sure. Yeah, oh, I had the dodgy cassette recording. I don't even remember how I got it, but, like, I'd had that since the 90s. Mm. And absolute fan favourite. I think I screamed myself hoarse when that started. So <laughs> I think I may have been standing near the mixing desk, so apologies if um, <laughs> I don't <have> <laughs> <laughs> oh, I lost my mind. 
With its official release on the 22nd of October in 1997, Kylie's Impossible Princess would peak at number four on the Australian Albums Chart and was certified platinum here, while both Scotland and the UK saw the record peak at number 10. This era is not only of giant importance because of the Impossible Princess album itself, but also with its absolute canon of killer remixes. Can you talk us through the remix process? Like, Yeah. I'm pretty sure the only one that... I mean, I can certainly talk you through that, which was wanting to create a club version of it that Dave could play. And it wasn't... The Too Far remix, the Brothers in Rhythm remix, wasn't even commissioned. It wasn't even right. something that they wanted. It was... Oh, you just did just, it. Oh, really? We just did it, yeah. <laughs> You're like, you want yeah. it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we didn't. It wasn't That's... commissioned. It wasn't something they asked for. Dave was just like, well, the album's coming out. I've got nothing to play. I mean, there really was nothing to... Like, I know as much as, you know, we were a very... It was very club influenced. We didn't do extended versions. We didn't... We could have, you know, as you said, um, Adam, with something like Drunk... We could have kind of totally done a club mix of it, but we actually right. didn't on this record. So too far, we took right. it into our own hands to create um, a club mix. Had to slow it down a bit because obviously it was drum and bass. And then it was tough. Like it was tough, not tough going, but really tough sounding, um, the remix of that. And again, trying to create, it was, it was. this is Dave Seaman being brilliant, putting his take of what the thing needed to sound like in a club. So, so from that side, that was the one that we did, and then obviously the other ones. The, the other one that I know incredibly well is is Ian's remix of "Did It Again." Oh. Which right, right, right yes, is yes, yes. one of my favourite things he's ever done. It's incredible, just very, very good remix. I mean. Hypothetically speaking, if there was one or even two additional album tracks that you could have thrown a couple of remixes at, given the chance, what would you have chosen? I think Drunk would have been great, actually, because we did it as a mini Brothers in Rhythm record anyway. It felt like a kind of truncated version of what we would do. So I think we could have probably extended that one out. Um, and we could have probably done something quite cool with Say Hey. Oh, uh, yeah. And, nice. and, and maybe just toughened it up but you know it lives beautifully in that world um but probably just those two really um and again yeah. i would never have had the vision that ian had when it came to did it again i i would not i never would have put it in that world at all and i was so happy and proud and chuffed when he did that because like to have like we have to understand about ian masterson is is we're sort of the same person like mm. it is we're sort of kind of weird not brothers but kind of brothers so to hear what he does on something that i do is mm. just the biggest thrill in the world so well um, in the dance worlds brothers in rhythm and trouser enthusiasts are often mentioned in the same sentence yeah yeah and and he'll always say that he's just ripping off me and i'll always say i'm ripping off him <laughs> but i mean but to this day you know we're we're such close friends and we talk a lot and uh, i'm so proud of everything that he's done i mean for people that don't know ian is you know the uh the musical one of the musical producers on strictly over here and he's he's he's, he's incredible but at that time when he was remixing and the other thing then as well 
was things were so fast. Mm. Like remixes were so right, Adam. Like it was so yes, so. Were. <laughs> like we're, we're up to the one three four BPMs, which is uh, tough when you're out and for then, a night. <laughs> absolutely. And then you had the radio stations that I was listening to who were pitching those tracks up by about <laughs> four or five percent to make them even faster, which is where I. Got How on earth did people from. keep up? I do wonder. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, moving on. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I used to oh. take my. Um... Actually, before you say that, this we had this conversation the other yes. day. So yeah, about... at the rap, one of the rap parties or something or something when I was doing intimate and live, yes. I went to. Okay, you tell the story because you you told me where it was. I forgot. Okay. Where it was. Yeah. So um, when I was talking to Steve the other day, Adam, and you know we we're you know confirming today and everything. And mm -hmm. I just started going through all my stuff and um, I was saying how I used to take, um, so Twister, which was at the Palace, which was next door to the Palais Theatre in St Kilda right. for everyone listening, which has since burnt to the ground. Not the Palais. I remember that night very well. Not the Palais, the Palace. So <laughs> yes. they would, this is the, some of the posters I've got next to me. So they had an Impossible Princess party in January. They would have homecomings. Anyway, and I knew everyone there. So I was always in there so um my best friend at the time was dating the guy who ran the techno room which was out the back it was a really really sort of small back room and you know that room wouldn't open till much later in the night but we would always go back there and just you know hang out and have some drinks and stuff and i would take my um kylie impossible princess era singles because no one had sort of the remixes to play and he would always play, like, all the Breathe remixes, the Did It Again, you know, Trust Enthusiast remix. And I would just have the whole dance floor to myself to just just dance to those remixes. And anyway, I was telling Steve this. And I remember after that last show in Melbourne, it must have been then, because I think everyone just flooded next door. Mm. I was dancing around in my Did It Again outfit because that's what I wore to the last show. Um, <laughs> so if you saw a girl running around in an indie Kylie outfit, that was me. Anyway, in this conversation, Adam, Steve goes, oh, I remember being there and they played the Too Far remix. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's because I made them and I would take my CDs in and say, play this. because that Of was... course. <laughs> Very weird crossing paths. Yeah, so you were you expecting to hear your Too Far remix in a club no. in Melbourne? No. no, because again, it wasn't really, I don't think it was really, I mean, I don't know how it was even released if it was even really i mean when it when that was released i know we did it it was on a white label we did some acetates of it i don't know how whether mushroom might have done 12 inch i don't even know how it even yeah there came were out. there were some there were a couple of i think there was a i definitely know there was a uk promo with right the with the with austin junior um with you yeah and i think the dub on the other side yeah 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 and there was another um, one called an inner inner circle mix or inner something i don't know but yeah right yeah but well, no, funny. I wasn't expecting to hear it. No, no, well, I, was funny... I was, I was happy. <laughs> I, I, and I actually, well, I can't remember who else did remixes, so I'm, that's really bad. But... Oh, there was, oh, Wait, there was like Todd oh, Terry, Sash, um, Junior Vasquez, Quiver. Which I actually wanted to ask you about that. You might not know, but it doesn't hurt to ask. Do you know why there was only ever one official remix of some kind of Bliss, the Quiver remix? uh i don't know maybe i mean i love quiver uh mm. and i love yeah. the mixes that he was doing at the time 
I think maybe they just and Quiver again was very deconstruction friendly. Um, I think they'd put out tracks that uh, Quiver had done. I think it might have been maybe it was because they were trying to position it for you know not have too much ten attention taken away from the radio version. So they needed a club record, so they just just did that one. Um, yeah. And Todd's actually reminding me now. Todd's freeze mix of, of "Breathe" was really oh, cool. Yeah. Um, and had that kind of excellent attention in it was amazing. Mm -hmm. So yeah. yeah, there were some really cool remixes actually of that album. Yeah, see, I think that's why I prefer. That's my f sort of favorite version of "Breathe," which is why when I listen to the album version. Mm. I struggle. It's very slow. It's, it's, yeah, it's, just, it's uber slow that I'm like, who's put right. it like on like half speed? So I think it's because I was so obsessed with the remixes, and that's one of the remixes I would demand in that techno room when I was dancing on my own. So yeah, I think that explains we've, that. <laughs> we've kind of referenced that a little bit in the show intro for Kiss Me Once, the tour for Kiss Me Once. The first oh, yes. couple of minutes of that, there's lots of breathe stuff and won't be long now which was kind of slightly inspired by Todd's remix. Right, right. Right, right. Razor and Go also did a remix of... Oh, they did. did I forgot mm. about did that. Again, that was, right. that was yeah, quite yeah. good, yeah. That whole... The whole Impossible remixes collection is 90 minutes of pure dance floor bliss. Mm. And one of my favourite remix albums to date, just because it encapsulates that era so, so well. Obviously... We've talked about Did It Again, uh, the Trouser Enthusiast remix, and your uh, Brothers in Rhythm mix of Too Far and the dub. Is there anything else out of those remixes that really, really stands out to you? Naylin and Kane did a remix of Breathe too, mm. that's right. Yeah. yeah. No, I think you mentioned it, and actually I, I've just had a very quick look, and I don't think that record, that record does not, or that album does not appear to be on streaming. The Impossible mixes? remixes? No. Yeah. no. Yeah, because there's a no. there's the there's the Australian version. yet. That's the one I have yet. And then there's Ooh, the, like that. the UK version. <laughs> yes, right. I preferred the cover for the Australian version. It just feels a lot more iconic. Well, that photography, fun fact, is the same person who did Cowboy Style. Is the same person who did Golden. Is the same person who did ah, Disco. Right. And that wow. would be, I think, Simon Emmett. Let me make sure I get that right. Yes. So. Okay. Yes, brilliant photographer, clearly, because there's just something about all of those images. Right. And these remixes were probably the most underground club friendly she had been to that point, remix-wise. Mm -hmm. mm. Definitely, like, it was the... Especially this Impossible Remixes compilation, it was, like, just a, a collection of the biggest and best remixes and producers of that time. Yeah. Remixing one of the greatest artists of our time so yeah this th this album holds as much weight for me as impossible princess does because mm -hmm. it was just important just as important to me as the original album mm -hmm. so it's, it's been good to talk talk about it and talk about my love of dancing <laughs> with a literal icon <laughs> uh, yeah that trouser enthusiast remix is just yeah it's one of the best things he's ever done it really sure. is that yeah. and Disremembrance are my yes, two. Yes, I was just about to say. <laughs> I think we can all agree, Disremembrance. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Oh, I'm so excited for the vinyl to arrive and oh. just 
for just that that love that's going to come online when people start posting their their vinyl as it arrives and it hears me playing it or people holding it up as they get it and oh so it's it's so good to see just the love for it i mean we saw it here but just obviously there was no internet 25 years ago so it's good to just see it on a global scale and especially like younger fans who weren't even alive when it was released uh mm. like obsessed with it and love it and can't wait to get it on vinyl yeah and and as you say people knowing that then it was different but knowing going back and seeing what's happened in the last 25 years and then re-evaluating it in within that time scale mm. so yeah I'm, I'm super happy i think it was you know i know everyone's wanted it for a while but i'm I think it's the right time as as yeah. most things are with her it's yeah things happen at just about the right time i can't believe like girl and impossible princess came out at the same time it's just I like know. seeing how those albums have aged it's just how were we gifted these epic albums from both of them at literally the same time mm. mind blowing yeah yeah totally and how much they shaped so many of our yeah. teenage years, our young adult years, like depending on the generations, like it's just, yeah, these two albums are always called upon. Yes. Mm -hmm. I could go on and on and on. And I'm going to think of a million questions when I go to sleep tonight, but <laughs> as is always the case, this has been a dream come true. I absolutely, the idea that I would be talking about the, this album with you 25 years later when it just formed so much of who I am is it's an honor thank you Steve well listen and it's equally so much to listen to your stories and your relationship with it and 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 very much especially about the show because I you know the reason that I like doing shows and I do shows is for an audience so to actually hear mm. you know I didn't know you then I didn't get any of these stories then I was mm sort of doing what I'm doing. So it's so wonderful to hear that. And um, and it's always lovely talking to you two as well. It's, oh, always, it's, it's always, always a joy. Always a joy for and, us and, too. And we've been, uh, we've, been, we've been sort of song title light, I feel like. I know, I got so We so have got it out of the way at the start. <laughs> I know. And uh, just, just pushed on. <laughs> I've got to say, this is... It's been amazing talking with you, obviously, about the album and particularly for me about the remix work, club culture, club music and everything like that, because that very much was what was shaping me at that time, including the Brothers in Rhythm remixes and Rollo, mm. Sister Bliss, all those guys. It was that stuff that I was listening to on radio that made me fall in love with dance music and radio. So it's kind of full circle doing this and being able to chat with you about it on the podcast and yeah, means the world. So thank you very much, Steve. No worries. Yeah. Listen, I've thoroughly enjoyed it as I always do. And um, I can't wait to see what this is disco manifestation squad can do next. Oh, Sky's the limit. Gotta gotta put some things on the vision board. But yes. before yeah. before you go, I guess we yes. need to find out what you're up to at the moment. Oh. Like Yes. Time to whore yourself out, Steve. Oh. <laughs> I know you love doing this. <laughs> you really you really know I love this, don't you? <laughs> I the step stuff is amazing, by the way. 
thank you. Mm. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> I don't know. Did you get the the tour? Has the, they, did they release the tour DVD over there or not? No. I don't think so, no. Okay, that's... So hopefully, I hope you get that because it's I've, the, what the Future Holds tour is super proud of and yeah, it's a really nice documentary on it as well. Um, I hope ah. maybe they'll do it on digital or something because um, yep. it was a tricky one to do because obviously it was mid-pandemic. Um, <laughs> so Steps, we've just finished. Uh, they've just wrapped their summer. Um, Louise Redknapp has just wrapped her summer stuff and I've just been back in the studio with her for some exciting stuff that's happening next year, um, which, and she's wonderful. Um, I, like, am, I love Louise. <laughs> I know, right? Isn't she just the best? Oh. Uh, yeah, so we're doing that. And then kind of coming into the autumn, there's a few things I'm working on that I can't talk about. But um, there is a little, a couple of little shows with Miss Kylie Minogue that are coming up. Um, oh, one on New Year's Eve. Yeah. And then Sydney Pride next year. Mm. So... Uh, which have both been announced. So um, we have to muster something up for that, which I'm so really looking forward to. We will get slaughtered if we do not ask you something about World Pride. Can you tell us anything or is it just everything's a lockdown? What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> I know the answer, but I just need it to be on record so that, <laughs> so that no one comes it's, for us. It's going to be extraordinary. That's yes. what I can tell you. Hi. Um so yeah, it's really it's lovely to be obviously to be back with the boss and uh, yeah, so doing that and then there's some, I mean obviously I work with lots of the people and Westlife are back after selling out six stadiums. I think they've got another thirty arenas and they're currently doing lots of things. So we've got some stuff at Christmas with them and um, yeah, it's always there's always fun. I, I I'm so lucky that my job means that I have such incredible variety. Um, lucky, lucky, and. and like indeed and and only because and all because of this show because this is where i learned how to do my job yeah so everything i've just spoken about i would not be doing if it wasn't for this show and yeah. this album so that's why it's important yeah will we see you at world pride i don't know don't know would you like mm. us to manifest your <laughs> your presence here i don't you know how much i want to come back to the to your country so yeah i don't know i, I go where i'm pointed so um I, I know i'm make we're making things at the moment and we're putting together something really 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 special so um i'm not sure if i will be there or not but um mm. it will be uh yeah it's uh it, it's really exciting really really exciting you also have the incredible podcast such a good feeling Yes, thank you. Oh, thank you for your little shout out the, uh, the, this week for the podcast uh, yes. thing. Yeah, have I, you had I, podcast day. <laughs> I've I've had to. Um, I'm I'm always incredibly grateful um, for anyone that uh, that listens and for anyone that, that comments and likes it. And um, I've obviously the, the beginning of it, I was able to do it much more regularly because obviously it was very much kind of launched as yours was when we were inside um yeah. so what i try to do now is I, I i just try to do it as much as i can um so it's normally every two weeks or maybe a little, little bit more than that but when i find when i have find someone that is right for it i need to be 
a fan of that person i need to be kind of in love yeah. with that person and what they do when i find that and then and, and i will record one and i will put it out so i've given i've taken the pressure off myself of having to do so much i mean you know that i have to do it all the time and you mm. know there's been some really really lovely ones and i do a really fun one once in a while with larry flick and lee bennett where we do like hidden gems which are kind of cool mm. um some yes, stuff from new those. artists um the one I just, the recent one I just did with Twinny was really, really lovely. She's an incredible new artist. Um, so yeah, and people seem to go back and similarly with your podcast, I think people seem to go back and find old older episodes and enjoy them because I think it was Dan that said to me about it. It's like, it's almost like a little kind of Wikipedia thing. It's just there all the time mm. and people can go and discover them. It doesn't really date because, you know, what it is. So I love doing it. I won't stop doing it. I just I've been unable to do it as much as I used to do just because of the fact that my other job, my proper job got a bit busy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, it was a lot easier to yeah find time for podcasts and things like that when we were locked Well, yeah, down. and I'd spoken I'd spoken to so many people that I wanted to anyway. But yeah, I've got there's there's a whole bunch of people on the list including there's two or three really exciting ones, but um yeah, I'm just uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to sort of get a few more in my back pocket before I release the rest some more so that it's not so sporadic. Well, we wait with anticipation. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Where can the lovely people find you online, Mr. Steve Anderson? Uh, exactly that. Mr. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably the best bet. Anywhere is usually that. Are you on TikTok oh, yet? Will we see you there? Just kidding. <laughs> that. Uh will not be happening um but no it is mr steven and 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 there's i do also as much as i really enjoyed talking about as we are reminiscing back to stuff i'm i'm still the biggest fan of new music and i do have kind of i'm continually posting new music and you know as much as it feels like there's a lot of choice out in the world and it's quite hard to find stuff there are the most amazing new artists around mm. and sometimes they don't get as much light as some of the ones that are being a little more commercial, shall we say. So, um, yeah, I tend to kind of, if anyone follows me, they'll get as much new music as they do kind of reminiscing. Yes, highly recommend uh, following your, it's on Spotify. Spotify. Yeah, yeah, Spotify. Ace, I can't Spotify. Podcast, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's, there's, it, there's like literally people that like young artists that will ex absolutely extraordinary and mm. if people like them please support them because that's yeah. how you change the landscape of what everybody else listens to yeah right exactly uh, amazing well thank you <sighs> once again steve it's been an absolute pleasure and no um, thank you for taking so much time out of your schedule to chat to us. this was a longer than just saying hey <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Right. You can split it up. You can cut it down. Oh, and yeah, this will be a, done. We'll just have an Impossible the, Princess podcast where right. each week we just right. discuss <laughs> different aspects of Impossible we'll do, Princess. We'll, we'll do the full album version and then we'll pitch the episode up by about 3% and release the radio edit. Like well, the Breathe version. Yeah. The Breathe radio edit. Ad, yeah, Adam's freeze mix. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Amazing. Cool. All right. Well, look, lovely to see you both. Good you luck too. with everything. Good luck with the editing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks. All right. Thanks, okay, Steve. Take care. Cheers. See you soon. Bye. 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 One of the greatest people on the planet chatting to us about one of the greatest 
albums in the world. I'm just, I'm quite speechless after all of that. Yeah, same. I just, I think about this album so often. I think about that era, like all the time and the memories associated with it. And just to be able to talk, you know, with one of the main people behind it and just hear more about it and share memories from, you know, all three of us. And I guess also say thank you for playing such a huge part in all of our lives. It's such an important album to so many people. So many people. And which we talked about, this is one of those albums where, you know, the the people that don't like pop music, Mm. this is the Kylie album everyone of those people love, you know, like I have friends myself who I went to high school with who are, you know, like who were, you know, hardcore triple J's back in the day (laughs) who like were messaging me saying, oh my God, where did you pre-order the vinyl from? So So it's, it really has shaped so many people's lives and from so many different walks of life. So it was just Mm -hmm. great to really honor it tonight with this. Yes, and a huge shout-out to Dave Seaman, of course, uh, the other contributor to this incredible, incredible album. Yes. Um, but, yeah, I, vinyl is arriving this week, I believe. Oh, in the coming, really? Well, hang on. T- today's Minogue Monday. Right. Anniversary is Saturday. I'm, I'm pretty sure the vinyl starts shipping on the 21st. Wow, that's I think. right. Yeah, yeah. So mm. can't wait to see everyone's vinyl. Which colour did you get? Did you get all of them? Like, I, I'm just, I'm so excited to hear and see everyone posting about it. And <sighs> I'm excited about the idea of owning a brand new record with the deconstruction logo on the label. Oh my God. Like it's been a long time since I've bought a new record with a deconstruction logo oh. on the label. <laughs> oh my God. That I hadn't even factored that in. That's all I've been thinking about <laughs> because you don't understand. Like when I was a child, when like open your mind and Felix, don't you want me were coming out on deconstruction. I was convinced that when I turned 18, I was going to get the deconstruction logo tattooed. What's stopping you? Well, it's probably going to happen at some point. But it was always like, I'm going to get that logo tattooed. I was in love with the label, the logo, everything. Mm. So, yeah, it's going to be pretty amazing cracking that record open and going, oh, hello there. Don't you have a milestone birthday next year? I do. I do. seems like a perfect occasion to (laughs) get a bit of a tattoo. Maybe, maybe. Amazing. All right, well... I, I guess we're wrapping up. Yeah, we're wrapping up. Uh, Eliza, where can the lovely people listening find you on the internet? You can find me, well, I guess you can find us, first of all, at yes. This Is Disco um, on Instagram and Twitter and at This Is Disco podcast on TikTok. And me personally, at Ms. Eliza Day on Instagram, Twitter and TikTok. And yeah, you... I am ADEMEVE on Twitter, ADEM.EVE on Instagram, at The Record Doctor as well, which is my semi regular show on Mixcloud, my radio show. And then there's the Girls Loud podcast at Loud Podcast, Instagram, Twitter. And that's really it. And www.therecorddoctor.com. And don't forget also to head on over to our This Is Disco official store for some. This is Disco merch, oh, yes. which is thisisdisco.threadless.com. Yes. You can but, buy yourself um, plenty of Danny and Kylie merch there. Yes. 
But until next month, we're going to head on off out of here. Keep an eye on the socials to find out what we're doing next. I'm very excited for next month. Mm -hmm, So am I. But until then, uh, this is us pissing off on another Minogue Monday. Thank you for joining us. Bye. Love and kisses, dance floor darlings. You're listening to This Is Disco, a monthly Danny and Kylie Minogue commentary podcast with your hosts Adam Eve and Eliza Day.